What is up, you beautiful human being, you? Today I have the absolute honor and pleasure to introduce to you my good friend, Keith Aronovitz. I got to know this guy through a mutual friend of ours. Actually, my coach. The coach that got me into a lot of the things that I'm living by today. And after we got introduced, we have been having these weekly conversations. We have become really familiar with each other and gotten to know each other on a deep level. And I want you to, to get to know him too. So he's going to uh, appear a few times in this podcast. Probably a lot of times, actually. Uh, today, we don't have a very specific subject that we're talking about. We, this is just one of those my very early morning, his late night kind of conversations. We're talking about ayahuasca, human psychology, books, trauma, what a person would be if you remove all kinds of isms and things that holds them back from you know, the pure essence of humanity. Like, what, what is a person if you remove everything regarding religion or politics or, or these ideas that they have been introduced to by others around them? Like, things that they don't really know themselves unless someone taught them. What is a human being at their core? We're talking about a lot of stuff, and I hope that you like this episode. So without further ado, this is a long one. We're going to have to clip it in the in the future, but enjoy. I hope you like it. How can ordinary humans achieve the extraordinary? How can we manifest our dream reality? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers by diving deep into human potential and by demystifying the mystical. My name is Tor, and this is, is The Shift. You, you you sound kind of uh, stuffed or whatever. Yeah, I've been in a very interesting mindset. I've been see, I've been uh, going through the ropes, and when I was sitting there cold sweating, I was like, oh, okay, okay, my body's probably working hard. <laughs> yeah, tried to keep that positive state of mind, and it has worked. And um, I've seen others who caught the same bug who were sick for two weeks and I've been for three days and I'm on the ass end of it. That's pretty good. Yeah. But it's like the, the remnants. It's, it's still like down in the system. The Getting system. sick uh, sucks, obviously. I, mean, I could even, I could do better on my diet. I need, I need to do better with, uh, my problem is I have a sweet tooth. Mm. So I got to eliminate the sugar. I'm uh, putting up a... Uh, I'm um, protesting, kind of. I'm in a silent protest because the price of a certain thing has gone up, <laughs> which means that I'm not participating as much as I'd like, which means that I'm not that much. I don't have that sweet tooth a lot lately. Oh, uh, okay. But yep. I, the fucking tobacco, like that has been interesting. That has gone off and on this last month. Although I know, I know. Well, what is what does the tobacco do for you? Nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't do it. shit. <laughs> That's so interesting. Because I was sitting there, and so, really question. <laughs> yeah, this is ba it's basically. I think it's a muscle memory because I've been doing okay. it for the majority of my life by now. But I was uh, reading 
I'm doing the speed reading thing where I'm trying to learn how to read faster. And holy, holy crap, bro. Have you, have you tried any of that? Nope. Would you say that you're a fast reader? I guess so. I mean, a truck's going by or some stupid shit. Um, if I like use my finger, mm -hmm. if I want to read fast, like I, I can definitely read faster. Mm -hmm. It depends what I'm reading. It depends if I'm reading a long article, I get bored and then I just want to get the gist of it. Mm -hmm. Or if there's something I'm really into, I might take my, really take my time and try to, you know, ingest it. So it all depends, I guess. Yeah. That but is also a fast, good point. I guess. That's a so. really good point because there's a difference. If you're reading nonfiction and you want to really retain the information, you can't be reading like really fast, but I started at 150, 200 uh, words per minute, right? And then I started using the visual pacer. And I just follow the finger. And within minutes, I was at 460-ish. Next day, I was at 500 and something. A few days after that, I was at 700. And then this week, I went from 840 in one day to eight. 1,860 the next. Whoa. And I was like, this is not possible. This is not supposed to be physically possible for me. And then I was, I was reading and Kennedy, I think he read like his base rate was like one or 2,000 words per minute. There's people who can read 5,000 words per minute. That's... Kennedy, you mean JFK? Yeah. He read like really? fucking... He read... Uh, the, when people read a article during a cup of coffee, he read newspapers during his cup of coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah, and there's people who read through books before breakfast. So... I, would, uh, I wouldn't mind reading his biography one day, JFK's. Same here, same here. Should be interesting. Yeah. I know his father was a bootlegger. That's how he made his money. Nice. Running <laughs> uh, liquor. He was worth a lot of money. That's why he was so influential. And that yeah. came from a bootlegger? As far as I know, that's that's what he was. He was a bootlegger, and I don't know the exact numbers. I'm probably wrong. Like, all I know is he made a lot. He he made a lot. Nice. I mean, and then I guess he invested in businesses. Whatever. He was a, a businessman, but I think there was a. Unless I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was a bootlegger, but nice. a sophisticated one. Yeah. I gotta well, relook into ones. that, but, but I know he's a character. Yeah. Yeah, Kennedy always pops up lately like there's something about that it's interesting yeah i've been working on that so basically i'm pissed because school taught me how to read left to right one word by word and right our, our brain does more than that <laughs> if we condition it wow. like if you're in the gym and you're doing 10 reps then if you work out to failure then it's the nine and ten reps that is actually doing anything yep and when you're yeah. reading, it's the same principle. Like you can you read first, you see what your base rate is. Then you read for four minutes at your retention speed. And then you do the same, you go back and you read the same passage again for three minutes. And then the same again for two minutes. And then again for one minute. And then by the, by the one minute, the, 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 course, the, the course creator is always saying like, yes, I've lost a lot of books to friction that way. And he's doing that. He's saying that every single day. I mean, I think he's said it like eight times. At some point, a joke goes stale. 
But if yeah. it was funny at the first, like friction, cool. You're burning books because it goes so fast, and I can see that it goes. You, it goes really fast. Huh. It's fascinating. So now I'm gonna start reading on the occult. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to read about mysteries and stuff. I want to read about the. That'd be interesting. Yeah, D did you see the? Uh, did you have you heard any episodes? Of. Of this podcast. No. So there is one there where the thing I do basically have a name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Noetics. Have you heard of that? No. That is very fascinating, bro. Because it's no the science of spirits interacting with matter. Thoughts. Oh, okay. Thoughts interacting with actual particles and matter in the universe. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was reading this book. And I was, it was for two pages, every single thing that I've been talking about for the last six months basically came up like this character in the book was inspired by another book, which is a real book. And then all of these other facts and I had to go online to check it out. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> right? So that book all of a sudden became really interesting. And it's this written is by a, non a nonfiction book. No, this is a fiction book. It's, oh, it's a fiction book. Yes, but it's based okay. really much in detail. Like, it's Dan Brown, The Lost Symbol. Okay. Yeah. And mm. I was like, holy crap. Okay. Kurt, he, he's a good writer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's really good at painting the picture. And uh, mm -hmm. holy shit. I love it. So now I'm on a... I'm yeah, on a yeah. I don't think I ever read... Uh, I know his, some of his books, but I don't think I ever read one. Have you seen the Da Vinci Code? He's like Code? famous for those. Yeah. What's that? Da Vinci Code. Yeah, maybe I did read. You know what? I think I read that one. I think I read that one. I haven't I read it. That was pretty good. I have it, but I haven't read it. When I was a kid, I used to seriously be into uh, Stephen King. I read a lot of Stephen King. That's so weird. I just, I just turned around to look at this. <laughs> 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 I read the first one by those guys. Nice. He's good. Yep. He's also, he has us that gift of explaining things. Yeah. And um, I think I was like a masochist when I was maybe 14, 15, 16, maybe even older. I'd read his books and sometimes I'd be reading like midnight, one o'clock and scaring the shit out of myself saying, I should probably stop reading this now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's a good book like that. Like, Pet yeah. Cemetery, that was scary as fuck. Pet so, Cemetery is um, a good story. And if, if, you know, if you have an active imagination, oh, yeah. That's what really, that's what's great about books is that's where your imagination really takes play. Yeah. And develops. You know what I mean? Like, he's putting the words out, but it's like you still, you're looking at it through your lens, so you're adding yeah. something to his words. Because yeah. I might respond to it differently than you. But on the other hand, I'm sure that's the response he's looking at is he wants to scare the shit out of people. Yeah, So exactly. That's actually what I love about Dan Brown because when you're reading it, he's, reading, he's writing it in a way that it automatically becomes a video or a, a movie in your brain. And then he's writing it from several different perspectives. Like one paragraph is about that person and then it goes to the other person describing what that person is seeing by the other character you just basically were in the head of. So it's 
it's really interesting. And then you can see it, how this is so easy to create a movie from. Mm -hmm. I love it when they do that. Cool. Yeah, I got uh, I have a lot of interesting books in my house that I've yet to read, but I have a nice collection of all sorts of shit. Yeah, yeah. that's why I wanted to, uh, I needed to get that speed reading up so that I could get through some of the books that just lies around. I have, I have a book that basically breaks down, like, how do you, like, how do you spot, like, what exactly is a psychopath? Like, interviews with psychopaths and shit like that. Because I'm just curious, like, what is it really, I don't, I know, like, what most people know, like, the basics or whatever, but to go in depth, I mean, it's a little scary, but it's, um, I read the, uh, I can't remember his name, but the famous FBI, the profiler, famous profiler, I read his book about, He's the one who really came up with the system of, you know, profiling, profiling uh, serial killers. Nice. And that's a hardcore book, but it's just amazing. And it's a hard job because they have to, uh, we don't have to stay on this subject, but they, they have to kind of learn how to put themselves in the shoes of the killer to yeah. figure out who he is, you know? Think like the, the uh, hunter, basically, right? Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of that shit is disturbing. Yeah. You know, so Holy but crap. I think I think on the other hand, a lot of people are fascinated by that kind of shit. Sorry about that. No <laughs> a little problem. emergency over here. No Let's talk about for a second. Um, sorry. So what were you saying? We were talking about how uh, people has to the profilers, how they had to go into the mind of the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So silence of limbs. That guy was in that too. Like some of it was based on that same guy that wrote the book. Because he's Probably famous so as far as that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then I have all sorts of books, you know, by futurists and some history stuff, uh, spiritual stuff, people that have, some, you know, people that have uh, supposedly uh, experienced miracles and things. Anyway, I have a, a wide gamut of stuff like, just a lot of things that I think I might be interested in about, you know, learning about kind of thing. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been hearing this a few times in my life and I haven't really thought about it, but you can probably tell a lot about a person during like judging by how his library is set up. I would, I, I agree with that. Um, I like to do that when I, uh, if I go to somebody's house or apartment, I've never been before. Yeah. I like to look at their bookshelf. Yeah. And it's like curious. I think you're right. You can at the very least think unless they're phony or have some books for some strange reason, this is a, a, like a reflection of their interests. Pretty yeah. much. I have, yeah. uh, I think you would like mine. I think you would actually resonate a little bit with my bookshelf. Cause it's and like, I could probably say the same thing. I yeah, imagine. exactly. Yeah, I, I can I can hear that. Oh, I, I would really like to, to read that book, right? So you and I, we probably share a lot of the same interests, which is probably why we have these great conversations. Probably so. Yeah. Um, but there's a name for this, I think. I think I'm also one of those people that, uh, I don't know, there's a certain comfort around books or looking at your bookshelves or something like that. Like, People, a lot of buy people, people buy books and they want to read them, but they never read them. I'm not saying I never read my books. They intend to read them, but they're just there. But they still kind of serve some kind of purpose. 
Yeah. It's like your mind can go, well, at some point, if I want to learn about this, yeah. it's right there or it's right there. And uh, I can say, I, I feel I instilled that upon my son, which uh, to me is at this point, my proudest accomplish, accomplishment with my son is that I helped mold him into a bookworm. Nice. So, Cause I think that's a good thing. You know, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. My daughter is also started to do that because he's, she's seeing that I'm reading. Yep. Yeah. But if you were one that just had these books and as you said, don't intend to read them, but you know that they they're there. If you don't read them at all in front of your kids, then good luck. <laughs> they won't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But my son sees me read. Yeah. I mean, and part of it is balance. Like I read I read every day. A lot of it's on the internet. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But also when I'm doing that sometimes and I'm like, I should put this down and just read a damn book. It's just put this down and read a physical book. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Do that for a little bit. And I have a lot of great books to choose from. Some of which uh, I just mentioned. Also some uh, fiction, like some detective stuff or scary shit or whatever we were talking about. So yeah. I like to mix it up. I have like, I like like apocalyptic or dystopian novels, shit like that. I find that interesting. Have you read 1984? Dude, I just finished that. Really? I read it in high school, but I just I just finished it like maybe a month ago or something. Nice. But I took my time. I read it over a year, but I wanted to reread it. Yeah, I just yeah, read I want, it. I want to read that too, because I think it has a few very valid points. To me, he like he was really prescient. Like he really saw what was coming. That's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. I mean, the book has been referenced so many times, and especially especially yeah. now. So that is really interesting. And now the first, I, I was um, threatened. I'd say almost threatened. Nah, I've been I've been group pressured by one person <laughs> to read a book called Sapiens. Have you read that? I've heard of it, but I, uh, I, I, I have it, but I haven't really seen who's the more. author. Uh, you are asking a good question. Actually, I, I told this to a. Is, is this like a well-known book? Because it sounds familiar. It is. Uh, Yuval Noah Harari. Okay. So basically, I thought it was. I, I think I, I got. Uh, recommended this before I really got into the whole learning how to learn and learning the things that I've learned and it goes into how we got from being in like prehistory basically how we became a society how we started to build cities how we became built these uh, systems and these religions and these belief systems and uh, everything like basically how we got here it's a sh it's called a brief history of humankind okay yeah i've heard the title yeah i think that is going to be very interesting because we are a weird fucking species yeah and this is a very strange weird time man fucking strange we are weird we're like if if Intelligent people live through this. We're going to look back at this time like, what the fuck were these people thinking? It's just like... Exactly. No, nobody believes the same thing or there's like two sides or everything's got to be a side. Or it's just, exactly. And some of it's just it's political. It's like it's not real. 
I think most of it is political. Like I, I actually had that that sentence go through my mind yesterday. I, I've been thinking a lot about this podcast lately. And as I was brushing my teeth, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, you go into this, this different brain state. You're just doing something that your body remembers, right? So that your brain mm-hmm. basically just shuts off and you think differently. And mm-hmm. then I was like, I need good questions because I basically, everything here is going to be based on questions. So I say the answer is in the questions on each podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So everything determines everything depends on the the gravity of the question you ask, and one of them was, "What can I say that will make this podcast interesting for people who's not necessarily into spirituality or self development? Maybe make make it more approachable." And so I was. That's a good like, question, by the way. Yeah, and then I I started to think about okay, so I have no interest in politics, basically. I know that we are, everyone is so political, but Mm -hmm. I want to talk to people who, I want to talk to people regardless of what ism or ist they are. Mm -hmm. And just as humans and with thoughts and emotions. And I think that will be really interesting because I'm probably going to talk to cult leaders and religious fanatics and atheists and uh, shamans. I'm probably going to talk to Al, right? So, Why not? Yeah, exactly. And Get some different perspectives. Exactly. And then I've been... It's fascinating to me because I'm seeing this more and more now. It's like the, uh, the reticular activating system. You should talk to whoever the fuck you want to talk to. Exactly. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> and then no, with Just no judgment, opinion. right? Just to, yeah. to see wh- what they think about and then have a constructive conversation. Exactly. Yeah. I, have, um, I have a friend and I saw this, you know, on Facebook, if a friend of you uh, posted a p- comment on a post, then you might see that. You might see that mm-hmm. post just because they posted on it. Right. And I saw this question. What would happen if we paid... So if we made it so that everyone had enough money to get by. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the questions and there was a lot of surface level answers like, okay, but where's the money coming from? Right. Mm-hmm. That's not really going in depth on the question. I was like, okay, right. what if, if you do that, you would be 30% on the way to harmony and world peace because people wouldn't have more to, um, they wouldn't be in the, dilemma of people taking profit or taking advantage over other nations because they want to make profit of them. So there wouldn't be that much war because people wouldn't take resources from other countries, right? That would help a lot. And then I was like, then we install some common sense and non-judgment into people. And then we were like 45% of the way there. And then we remove organized religion and teach people that they can live a life without dogma and then we're like 90 percent there and then but how, just how you leave... do that exactly <laughs> that, i was that's, like that's a tough one buddy the question <laughs> in, in itself opinion. the question in itself was so so unobtainable like if we think about what we are doing today that i felt like huh why not re- remove religion in that same equation right yeah i don't disagree with you <laughs> yeah and then i i just but left 10 percent yeah, a lot of people do. 
but that was my my reasoning and i left 10 for uh for alien invasion and other uncontrolled factors because we never know <laughs> maybe if we started Some to be a harmonized then people would then they would visit us or something maybe who knows maybe <laughs> but look as far as the the, the end to this year or whatever the next month or the next week brings I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more fucked up shit between now and Christmas, put it that way. That's all I'm saying. I don't <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. I can guarantee you that. We're nine months into 2020, and there's been so much now that it could fill a decade. It's crazy. Easily. Man. It's, it's weird. Just, I think, like, I don't know, man. It feels like uh, this country's going insane, man. It's like no yeah. joke. Yeah. It's weird. They're going to look back at this period. If we get through it, it's a very interesting period, uh, period in, our, in our country's short history, relatively short history. Yeah. We're like, uh, I don't know. It feels like a lot of times we're at some kind of breaking point or something, or it could be. I think they're not telling us everything or some shit. I don't know, man, but it's. Oh, it's definitely. They're, yeah, definitely. They're not telling us everything. Like I was. I'm reading this other book that I, I started and that's a, 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 that's a habit I should get out of. I started it, I read a few chapters and then I, I began another one. I, I got to, uh, down to the library and I picked up another book from the same author, nonetheless. <laughs> but the thing is, there's something called a tipping point. Have you heard of that? The tipping point by yeah. Malcolm Gladwell? Yep, yep. That is very interesting because he's saying that everything is basically like a virus when it reaches a certain critical mass then it just exponentially spreads and from that i started to smile when i was thinking about trump <laughs> because he is kind of that fucked up result that will make people see things differently no matter what the fuck they believe in no matter what political party they're they're yeah that they follow no matter how their political views are they can see that things are starting to get so fucked up that we will have to wake up we will have to think differently so i think as we continue to do this we will reach critical mass we just have to wait for that to happen people are waking up all over the place because of the strife that we're in it's just it's insanity but here's the here's the insane thing Dude, at this point, it wouldn't shock me if he got reelected. Same here. It, it, it's not like a slam dunk that he's going to lose or anything like that. And that's amazing. In a weird, fucked up way. Yeah, it's just, well, we live in like the upside down world now. It's just, yeah. That's what I mean. This country's just like, we're like, I don't know, man. It's just, we're just so divided. I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this is just where we're at right now. It's just a yeah, it's a very difficult time in our country in a certain sense. Did you see the Joe Rogan episode with uh, Duncan Trussell? Nah. Did you watch the whole thing or part of it? I have, I've seen part of it. I think I'm like on an hour in or whatever. The five and a half hour one? Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, the midnight that was gospel. was part of it that you watched? That was, yep. it was good because... Duncan is, um, God, I mean, I've set a, a goal for myself that I want to talk to Joe Rogan, and now I want to talk to Duncan Trussell, too. So cool. 
he has these uh, ways of talking and uh, when he bursts out in laughter it's kind of contagious and it's insane it's like the insane laughter because he goes a whole bunch of octaves octaves up and then he goes all crazy when he's laughing and he's ha- he has a voice that's not fitting to his face so it's it's cool <laughs> but they that's were funny. watching <laughs> they were watching this uh, I got to watch it now yeah you do you need to watch it they were looking at Pence as he was standing with cages filled with human beings is on the border to America to the US and um that was really impactful because you see these people in uniform and pens standing there not looking at the people in cages but looking at the cages holding them in like see assessing hmm good cage right you can see that it doesn't phase them at all there's people in there that has been separated from the families and they haven't gotten anything right. to eat and they're looking at them they can touch him and he's just he's yeah. not even seeing them he's like two feet away oh man and just imagine being those children man exactly i mean they're going to be traumatized for life they are traumatized exactly That's a traumatic it's like an ultra traumatic situation in them right now they got to be scared out of their minds yeah they're super traumatized without a doubt i'm guessing and this is this, we i had a very 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 deep conversation yesterday with i don't think i should actually disclose who that was because i, I it's disrespectful i think to share that story mm-hmm. with identification on this but mm-hmm. let's say that people sometimes we can benefit from having a fucked up lineage uh if your great grandfather was a psychopath who wants to kill you when you're sleeping mm-hmm. odds are that your grandfather is going to be impacted which means that your parents are going to be impacted that means that you are going to be impacted and that means your children and so on mm-hmm. And if you have this very intense trauma going back is is that like a psychic imprint? Yeah, I'd say like it's uh it's we we talked about this with a friend of mine before I started this journey. We like we call it tag where it genet uh, transferable ancestry trauma. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And tell me about going you were saying about going back Yeah, where when you start with something really bad, then the next generation is not going to have it that bad because that generation is going to remember the generation they came from. So they want some kind of change and then that generation that the generation that they give birth to will then have some something to go from from their experience growing up so that they will have more of a pure way of doing things, right? And then as you go down the line, the more and more the formula basically will be be purified so you might have a psychopath going around killing people four generations back but then a generation will come along where it's met with only love and only positivity and they will have this really good way of starting life because they have come from a lineage with a lot of pain but they are at the point where they know what that pain is they almost was born with it so they know what they don't want in life 
And now you have these woke people at age one, right? Well, not yeah. one, because I've gone into the, the brain states too, and I know why my, why my son is not listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have high hopes for when he turns seven. Okay. Because then he's going to change into a, an analytical beta state in his brain. <laughs> but it's fascinating yeah. because it trauma changes people when you go through that dark the, the dark side of your life the shadow part of your life mm -hmm. you will change it has to yeah yeah dude i've been through some fucked up shit that you know i don't really talk not horrible i mean but to a certain level like uh, more like an immense uh, like in a mental level yeah like some abuse and shit like that and it is not pleasant trust me yeah exactly of course it's going to affect you yeah and, and as a kid, you wonder why, like, what the fuck? What, the, what did I do? Yeah. And it goes in, like, yeah. on an emotional level. Yeah. Which is the best level in, like, yeah, for good and bad. Because then you know how it feels. And when you know how it feels, right. you can really describe it to someone else on how you don't want that. If yep. you want to, yeah. If you want to teach that further. But sometimes I feel like I'm learning... Uh, karmic lessons like i'm like if i felt i've been sort of uh, treated a certain way or some fucked up shit happened sometimes i'm like why exactly is this happening to me yeah like what did i do to deserve this did i do something to deserve, deserve this deserve this is this my karma is it just chaos is it just the way it is i don't know exactly I'm, yeah what do you think is that karma that's a really interesting question. I think if it is karma, I think how we react to it has all the difference. Like, are we going to say, why is this happening to me? Or is, mm -hmm. are we going to say, what can I learn from this? Yep. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Even like with people like we're talking about, I mean, the truth is, I think we've touched upon this as well, is that uh, everyone is your teacher that you meet. Everyone whose path you cross is a, that's an opportunity to learn. You might not like what you learned, but you're going to learn something. Definitely. I've met, I've met plenty of assholes in my life, trust me, but they've taught me a lot. Yeah. Like how not to be the people, how exactly. not to treat people. Like why are you? And then there's, you go, if you dig deeper, there's like, you can go to the like, why is this person like this? Like, why are they such a prick? Yeah. Are they having a bad day? Or, are they always like this? And if you dig deeper, there's probably a reason behind it. Like there's some unresolved trauma or their anger, which is probably, you know, which again is probably coming from trauma. There's something unresolved, I would think. Like, why would you want to be a nasty person? Exactly. Exactly. What are they struggling with? Which yeah, whole and I've met some to? nasty people. Yeah. I've met nasty people of like all ages. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. That's like also growing up from a kid. Yeah. Like from a kid to an adult, all ages. But kids are the worst. Like yeah. they have no filter. They have no. Yeah. Kids barrier. could be uh, vicious. Yeah. And they can seem to sense like weaknesses in other kids and stuff like that. And Oh, definitely. And so they're very social in a sense, like in packs sometimes. And yeah, it could be tough on kids. Definitely. Especially if yeah. you're the new kid and you have some unique trait about you. Like, I yep. feel like kids are really bad 
at pointing out those physical differences and then just fucking going going at it. I've seen that a yeah. lot in, in but media. But that's gonna I don't know. No, just go on. I was I was gonna say I don't know if that's like a tribal thing. Like I agree, it's like it seems sometimes that if people are a certain way, they're threatened by differences. Like if a person is different, there's some yeah. kind of threat to that person, which is to me a manufactured threat. That's like ignorant people, you know, it's like, like, why wouldn't you want to be interested in like learning about another culture or appreciating another culture or learning about, you know, their spiritual beliefs or what kind of food they like or whatever. Yeah. You know, but some yeah. people it seems could give a shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hundred percent. Like we, we don't watch news in this house, right? That has changed mm -hmm. my life. And if I feel like if there is some piece of news that is really important, then I will get it somehow. People will tell me. Right. They I'm will sure. send a link, or I will see it in some sort of social media. And then, yep. There was this one time I was reading the book, and for some reason, the TV goes on. And it lands on a goddamn news site, news, like a channel for news. And they were having mm -hmm. this debate. First of all, I was just like, why, why is this on the TV? <laughs> right? But it was fascinating. I was just focused on the book. And as I was reading, I couldn't help but hear what they talked about on the TV. Because it's like when... Um, I guess this also, I, a lot of the things goes back to the reticular activating system. We're going to talk about that because I think you would find this really interesting. So basically, I was, pre, I was pulling out these uh, tidbits of what they were talking about. And the, the show host or the host of the, of the debate was standing between a politician, a uh, normal dude, an activist, uh, a guy that was just happy to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And they all share different spiritual beliefs and belief patterns like uh, religious beliefs and one of them was like an ex ex-muslim the other one was mm -hmm. an active or a participating muslim and then one of them was part of a um group that is about stopping immigration and muslims coming into norway right yeah. really you, you you're setting the stage right mm -hmm. and then as they're talking the fucking host stops and just, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Then he turns to the religious dude and he says, so what would your uh, response be if he burned the Quran? It was like, what? That's what, that's what you, huh? What? You're, you're, you're throwing fire on, you're throwing right. gas on the fire here for no reason. Why do you want them to kill each other on stage? It's like, right. What is the benefit of this other than getting it. up the fucking ratings and getting more views on this shit? It's yeah. like, holy crap. And that is the news, isn't it? Like the hosts these days, I don't, I, I don't think they're objective. I think they have some personal, some personal feelings or they are getting told what to tell or to talk about as they're talking about mm -hmm. it. And they stop people. And then they go into this condescending tone and they, they, they pull out this one little piece of information that just gets them fired up. It's like, it's pathetic. It's so fucking lowbrow. 
but that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting. I, th I think if you look, you could find some journalists, in my opinion, that have integrity. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they work for corporations, I guess. Somebody owes those media conglomerates or whatever. So they do have somebody they have to answer to. Exactly. I guess they can't, unless one of them, for some reason, gets, you know, very powerful, you know. But I feel, you know, having worked in the field, not lately, but uh, on and off for like 20-something years, that uh, I ran into a journalist that I felt had integrity, in yeah. reporting and stuff like that. And we're trying to really get the, a good story out there that people would, you know, where people would learn something and be interested in hearing about and make yeah. it compelling and all that shit and had good intentions. I'm not saying everybody, but I met a lot of people that I thought did. So that's a, that's a breath of fresh air. That's like, it gives hope to humanity. But like, you know, I think now, and I'm not saying the media is the same. It definitely got more tabloidy and stuff like that. Look, I worked on the OJ Simpson shit in 94. I was one of the, you know, I was at ABC News doing the network news and at the time on Primetime Live, but they flew me out to California like three months into it or when the trial started or whatever. I was like the lead editor and there was a team of five or six of us. And But anyway, we started cutting OJ stories and I was only there for a month, but I think the whole operation out there lasted six months or something like that. But, uh, that's a whole other story, but OJ Simpson became like a cottage industry for a lot of people. Yeah. Because everyone was like fascinated about every detail of what happened. It every just went detail. on and on and on. Yeah. Till it got like stupid. Um, but yeah, the meeting could be like a circus at times, no doubt. So we, we have some, we, okay. First, I want to get your uh, answer on this. We have something in Norway that I feel like they have drained to the point where you cannot drain it anymore. So is there some subject in America or in the U.S.? I had, I'm still going back on that because I'm getting hammered every time I say the America because that is the entire continent. So right. the U.S. The US. Is there... If you said America, listen, Americans would say America. We're talking about us when we say exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. So, it would be normal for Americans to say that for sure. Exactly, and that's, I think that is why probably. I say that. Right, but yeah, the U.S., yeah. So do you have a, uh, a subject that has been reappearing all the time since it happened? And it, it doesn't seem to show any sign of show, slowing down. Like something that they always rip back into and always uncover new details in. I mean, just everything that's going on right now is over and over the virus and uh, like the protests and some rioting and looting. And it's just a, it's just, a, like I said, it's really, it just keeps playing over and over, ebbs and flows, I guess. But, you know, like, it's possible the virus could explode again in the fall. And man, I don't know what's going to happen then. It's just going to be uh, like uh, yeah. virus fatigue, man. I'm telling you. It's getting old. Virus fatigue. That seems like a term that could become mainstream. Going to I mean, I think... I think everyone on some level in a place like this deals with it on some level. Definitely. We're dealing with the virus, like yeah. on the very least on like a psychological, emotional level. Yeah. Cause we're, we're afraid or maybe some people don't give a shit, but most people here are probably not trying to speak for everybody, but a lot of people here are probably, you know, they're like, I don't want to get that shit. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to die. I don't want whatever. Yeah. Most people don't die from it, but, that's my look that's my opinion anyway i'm not a damn doctor 
And as you well know, there's a, a thousand different opinions about this whole thing. Yeah. It's a pandemic. It's this, it's that. And I don't know exactly what's real or not. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they found out it was, it was created in a lab and it escaped or they let it out on purpose or some shit. That wouldn't shock me. Same here. Um, I'm not saying it did, but I'm sure they're not. I think, I don't think they're being a hundred percent truthful because it seems like there's, there's so many inconsistencies coming out. Do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. And now it's all political mask, not a mask. You're an idiot. If you wear a mask, you're a sheep, you're this, you're that. It's just, but it's all insanity. It's just it's insane, man. It we is. can't agree on anything. I know, and that is one of the, that is the problem. Even if like he, you know, as far as like you mentioned before, the president, half pe- half the people seem to love. No, I don't know if he's half or not, but a fair amount seem to love him, and a fair amount seem to hate him. There's yeah. like no in between for the most part. No, I know. What you said there is kind of interesting crazy. because. When you have, let's, before I say the, the thing that I feel like they have really exploited to the point where they, it's, it's, no, it's pointless, I want to tell you about a little part of the noetics. Okay. <laughs> this science is, it has changed my life and it's, I want to take a PhD in this shit. I, like, I want to oh. go into school and really develop. So you have a grain of sand, right? Mm-hmm. Within that grain of sand, there's mass. And mass will have some sort of attraction to it, like some sort of gravitational pull if there is mass, right? Mm-hmm. If you have enough mass, like the moon, then you can impact the oceans on the earth, right? Now, yeah. what if your thoughts have mass? Mm. That is the whole concept of noetics that we can interact with physical things and there our thoughts are attracting things it's like where the end there where the focus goes the energy flows right mm-hmm. what if for one day because that's all it takes once these meditations and stuff that i've gone through the case studies that i read is one meditation that has changed everything i mean physical warts have fallen off overnight people have walked out to a place where they were was reeled in on a wheelchair because they were paralyzed. All of these things. It happened over one small period of time. Now, what if a population, like billions of people, had the same thought, the same coherent, vibrating, high vibrating, positive thought to change something for the better? Mm -hmm. Then that would change something. In theory. Because 9-11, right? We could mm-hmm. see that 37 random event generators, the, the GOES, the satellites around the Earth, it picked up that really big spike as the right. world got the news. And that was okay. in negative emotions. That was when, like, shock. And after that, all these meditation right. experiments in big numbers have occurred, and they have been able to really measure this as it goes on, and we know that it's possible. We just need everyone to have the same coherent thought at the same time. Right. Which is a big fucking pain in the ass because we can't fucking agree on anything. So, right. But the thing that the the subject that we in Norway have been exploiting is fucking World War Two. We're still talking about World War Two every week in certain magazines. I mean, there. If if you were to pick up the publication, every 
issue of this magazine from where it started, I am sure that you would learn everything about the World War, World War II, about people that you really didn't know existed, and, and about the cousin of that person, and the children of the cousin of the uncle of one person. That it's insane. But why? Why do you think that is? I have no idea. It's like th this doesn't serve any purpose. It's like yeah, a history, but god damn, there's so much more history to see. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I mean, some people are infatuated with the world war, world wars. I think. I mean, yeah. I have a certain interest in them, and like I have interest in all the wars, just learning about them and what happened and what really happened. And I find it like I would never, never want to fight one. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not inclined. Here. I don't want to. I don't want to kill anybody. Same here. I really don't want to do that. I don't want to get killed. You know, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. I guess you could whatever call me a pacifist or something like that. So, because. That is fascinating. You, uh, what's go that? On. It's, it's no, fascinating what? to know that people, there are some people who think that war is a necessary thing, that we have to have war. I mean, to me, this is how I, how, this is how I personally feel about it, is that for some reason, as you know, man as a species, we haven't evolved enough to figure it out a different way. I agree. So we, we must be on some kind of wrong path if this is where we're, the way we're going, because there's a certain amount of greed in the world and you know, it seems power hungry people and it's always got to be like nationalistic where there's borders and it's, you know, yeah. who's the most powerful and shit. It's like on some level, it's not a, it's not a system of cooperation and unity or whatever you want to call it. It's about like, who's the most powerful in the geopolitical stage. Yeah. What we should so, do is actually create some kind of a nonviolent hunger games before we need the actual hunger games. Let's say that every nation had representatives, like a team that they are training to, to, to represent the nation. And then mm -hmm. you have this huge ass paintball fight every 10 years. And then the entire world of all the nations just agrees that the winner of this will have some say in what we do next, right? And there's rules as to what you could do next. <laughs> and that we do, we have a system where we just have this competitive fun thing where nobody get, gets hurt and we battle it out. Nobody gets killed, but we still do right. it. And people get a clear view of who's the winner. Okay. You won. I will try to take you in 10 years, you son of a gun. Right. And then they just pat themselves on the back. They give one of those ass slaps and then it's back to the nations. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right um oh i know what i wanted to ask you um you said when you want to like interview people or do your podcast that you had we were thinking of questions that you know you want to ask them or the questions that would be the good question to ask yeah questions to ask so being you asked me to be your first guest um did you have anything in particular that you thought you wanted to ask me well i know that you have a very you have a very specific uh, point of interest that you have a no lot of knowledge within. And I feel like to break this for the listeners of this show, it would be really interesting to see what they can learn about ayahuasca or like, mm -hmm. what do you see on the other side? What is the, um, 
the pillars of ayahuasca, if you will, like the structure of how does it work? How, what could you expect from it? Is there someone who should have it? Someone who should just steer the fuck clear of it? Like, if, yeah, if, and, and a lot of those questions are like, some are yes or no, and others it's probably a gray area. And uh, it's like a complicated subject, I guess, in one sense. I, I think bottom line is like, it makes sense to me at least that each individual you, you kind of you kind of get called to it yeah like and maybe maybe at some point it even became a fad or something it wouldn't surprise me looking back you know yeah they'll probably fuck it up in some way if we're not careful and we'll oh, look definitely. stupid the white people for fucking it up um <laughs> but uh i think seriously like if you just open to whatever if you're in your your path your spiritual path or whatever or maybe you feel you need healing and nothing else is working or whatever your reasons. I think for a lot of people anyway, it calls to them in some way. Like they weren't aware of it. And then somehow they get conscious of it. They saw it in a movie or a magazine or an article and it resonates with them. And you know, for some reason or your documentary. Right. But you know, when I first found out about it, I mean, it was out and people knew about it, but not a lot, but I had heard of it several years earlier but i didn't know the name for it just i heard about this brew that they drank in the jungle and you got visions and right away that piqued my curiosity yeah. i was like that would be kind of cool to go in the jungle with like a trained shaman and you drink and you have visions of animals in the jungle and stuff like that that could be cool could um, be <laughs> but i didn't really pursue it at the time like i had to do it um and then i read this article i remember it was 2006 so 14 years ago I read this article in National Geographic Adventure magazine called To Hell and Back. It's, I think it's, it's considered their number one most read article ever is this article, To Hell and Back, about an ayahuasca experience. Yeah. And it basically, um, you know, delves into this woman's experience there for a week at, you know, this, at this shamanic lodge. And the title is to hell and back because she went through all these hell realms and had all these things and had in her mind all these demons released and everything and anyway but she also talks about how the shamans were so in control and they could see all the visions and how they helped them and how they helped all the guests and how they helped like get rid of things for people and you know just kind of cleaned up their energy and stuff and help them see things and work through things and anyway it's the whole point is it's like a pretty insane. It's a very well written article, but it's like you're just like, wow, this is some hardcore shit, right? Yeah. And in my mind, there's usually one or one of two reactions. It's either, it's either, there's no way in hell I'm gonna fucking ever do this because this is insane. Like, why would I ever go down to the jungle to drink this jungle juice and with these shamans and have these crazy visions? Or that goddamn, I don't, I don't know what this is, but I have to try this. Yeah. And my response was, it was beyond, it was like, it was like I knew. It was really weird. It was like, it just struck me. Like, as soon as I finished the article, I'm like, I have to do this and I'm going to go to this place to do it. Yeah. It spoke to me that strongly. But it was a crazy article. It was like, but I was like, I'm going to go to this place. And I thought about it for a few days. And I think, I think I pushed the button to buy the ticket like a week later. And it was hard. Like, I, I hesitated. I'm like, this is, am I really going to do this? Go down to the Amazon and drink ayahuasca? And I was like, fuck it. And I, you know, I pressed the button, got my ticket, and 
I went down there and drank ayahuasca like five nights out of seven. And the rest is history. Then all the shit started happening or whatever. But it's one of those experiences like my film or books or whatever. You can talk about it and you can kind of get an idea. But until you experience it, you're never going to know what it's like. Exactly. It's the way it is. It's like Ramdas says, to those who's had the experience, no explanation is necessary. To those who's has, who doesn't have the experience, none is possible. Yeah. Who said that? Ram Das. Oh, Ram Das said that. Okay. Yeah. Say that again, please. To those who's had the experience, no explanation is necessary. To those who hasn't, none is possible. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. But yeah, that was, I think at one point, you know, I'll give the long story short and then we could always delve into more stuff or people can ask questions. But on some level, I was there for my, I guess, my spirituality. And I wanted to try and work some things out. And maybe I tried a few other things. I was never religious. I was more, I was really anti-religion. I was like, this is bullshit to me. Yeah. I was just like, this is not working for me. It just isn't, I think it's full of shit and too much judgment and I don't like it. And it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit me. So yeah. I don't want to do it. Um, like I went to Kabbalah for like six months when I was living in LA because it kind of interested me. And then after a while, I was like, this is bullshit, man. And they're just trying to get your money. I don't know. I just, it didn't feel like, it, it didn't feel like, uh, I'm trying to think of a word. I don't know. It didn't resonate with me. I felt like on some level, they were just being exploitative and dishonest or it was like a fat, I don't know. I just, it wasn't resonating with me deeply. I gave it a shot. I'm like, nope. Yeah. They're just like too pie in the sky and always selling you like you got to buy the special water or this or that i'm like okay yeah. seems like they're trying to sell you a lot of shit it's like those people who like, says for every check you cut the devil will get a blue eye yeah. i saw that too yeah. on Joe like, what, what is what does money have to do with spirituality at least at exactly. that level i mean not that people shouldn't get paid for their services because i am a big believer that shamans that do that they should be properly comp compensated for that. They're, oh, yeah. uh, they're giving a very, they're giving a very important like service or, you know, opportunity for people to do this. The real, the well-trained, you know, honest shamans with integrity, they're giving you, you know, they're giving you safety. Exactly. And they're trying to help you out. And you also, you, you said that in the sentence, they are trained as long yep. as, I mean, if you go to school to be a, a uh, chef then you are trained within the culinary arts and you can charge for that because you are providing something and if you're trained in shamanism and you really can na navigate people through horrible stuff and get them out on the other end as a new person holy shit of course yeah and and every every shaman that makes it is different like some really good ones can train in like three or four years or whatever but some train for like 10 15 years and as, as an apprentice yeah and you know some wash out it's like becoming like a top gun pilot or something like that yeah some wash out probably some aren't as well trained as others some aren't as good as others some are really talented at it the one i worked with that was a mestizo people say indigenous there are indigenous but a lot of them are mixed from the yeah. spanish and and indigenous so they're mixed mestizos i worked with a gringo shaman and a mestizo shaman and he was the shit he was he had the juice man he was just he became a full-fledged shaman at 17. Oh, he, crap. His grandfather gave him tobacco at eight. 
which they, to them is a spiritual drink. Yeah. Eight. He drank ayahuasca at nine. Holy shit. He used to go off into the jungle to do shamanic diets by himself at like 14, 15, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 for a week or two at the time to go find these plants and diet them and sit with the spirits and learn from the spirits. Yeah. He started fighting and defeating uh, Brujo's witch doctors at the age of 17. That's when he became a full-fledged shaman. When I met him, he was like 43 or some shit. So he had like, you know, whatever, almost 30 years of experience or something. Yeah. He was a badass. He still does it. So. That's amazing. But the point is you want to do it with a well, a good shaman with a good heart that's going to, you know, provide a safe space for you to experience it. It's not a joke. So. And some people see it as something that you can just do and then you're changed forever after you've done it. And then, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I would say on some level, everybody's different. Yeah, It's probably best, and I'm not saying it's necessarily easier, it's different for everyone if you don't have expectations. But on the other hand, I think most people go there with some kind of expectation or hope. They're there for a reason. So they're hoping ayahuasca can help them with something. something. Yeah. A lot of times, not always, people have some issues or problems. It could be psychological or mental or physical, all sorts of problems, sicknesses. And there's some that have been coming repeat, you know, repeat guests. And some that are on a spiritual journey, they just come for that, I guess. I mean, the point is people come for all sorts of different reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like a hard it's a hard undertaking. You have to you have to do a lot of work like within ceremonies and after to kind of like reap the benefits and stuff. Yeah, especially after, right? Because then you have a more clear a clarity in what is the problem, so you can start working from within. I guess that's where most people struggle within like therapy and psilocybin and ayahuasca and everything, because when you have to do the work. That becomes really right. painful for people. It can be. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, it was fun. It was funny for me because up until that point, when I went to uh, the jungle, I also decided to take a two-month trip to Africa, something like that. I just been working for this company for a couple of years, and I saved up a lot of money. Like I had a hundred grand in the bank, or some crazy shit like that. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna take some time off and travel." I was like, 43 or something. I'm like, "I'm not doing this forever. I want to travel." And I got the idea to do ayahuasca in my head. Um, and then went to Africa. I had a specific, I forgot what I was going to say, but. Um, yeah. Went to Africa. I lost the train of thought. We were into yeah. inner, inner work, going to Africa. Yeah. I'll, it'll come back to me. Yeah. It'll, I just lost the train of thought there. So sorry about that. Oh, no problem, bro. I have a... Uh, That's what happens when you eat a, a weed cookie. <laughs> oh, those are really fucking powerful, too. Yeah, they can be. My friend gave me one. You know, in Norway now, mm. to, yesterday I saw another piece of news. Oh, sorry. I kind of oh, remembered. Yeah. It's just... Sorry. I think on some level it's not good. It's good to if you don't go in with the expectations, you know, because you may yeah. be disappointed. Or some people will find it helped them out with that or they'll learn something about themselves and kind of feel that's the start of their journey in ayahuasca and it takes them on a whole different path. Yeah. I mean, you just, 
you meet and see all different kind of like results or experiences that people have. Like if you ask me after I went down there for the first time, would I go back, make a film, you know, woman, you know, have a child, um, and end up living there for five years and drinking it over 150 times. I probably would have said you had your mind. I never planned that. It just kind of happened. Yeah. I can resonate you know? with that. And, yeah. yeah. Sometimes um, life just takes a turn that you were not expecting. And I think that is the, it's basically the whole concept of uh, law of attraction and being open to new possibilities. Like every single possibility is out there and you just have to be open for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Unexpected, unexpected. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, oh, I know, I know what else I was going to say is that at some point, I think more importantly, so, I guess my reason for ayahuasca was I wanted to help. I wanted to like heal some things that I thought I wanted to like traumatic shit. Yeah. Like we were talking about it, I thought that could help. And I was just interested from a, of a perspective of like going in the jungle and what is this experience going to be like of drinking in the jungle with a shaman? Just that in of itself was fascinating to me and wanted to have some visuals and see some crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and all that happened. It was like a crazy, intense, challenging, like nothing I ever went through experience. It was super hard, super hard to do. And enlightening. I saw some crazy shit. A couple of nights I thought I was going to go insane. Yeah. I was barely like holding on, like mentally, just barely keeping it together for like, imagine like an hour and a half, two hours of that shit. And you have like no concept of time. That shit is hard, man. <laughs> I can imagine. And part of it is not relaxing, like not relaxing. It's, but it can be overwhelming because it could be so visual. It's like you're in this spiritual soup and it could just be like, oh my fucking God. You see some crazy shit, man. Yeah. And the energies and stuff, the energy, it's just, you're very open to like the energies and, you know, tapping into the shaman and his power and this, and the, and the jungle sometimes with the rain and the thunder. It's very like primal in a sense. Yeah. I really got into it for a while for sure. And for other people, in the early days when I was making my documentary, Sometimes people would just leave the camp like after one or two ceremonies, like, nope, this is not for me. Never doing this shit again. Nope. Yeah. And fair enough, they gave it a shot. It wasn't for them. The first night I ever did it, I had a pretty relaxing, but I, but I saw visuals, but it wasn't overwhelming. The guy next to me freaked out for like fucking four straight hours. He couldn't stop. Shit. He got so uncomfortable. I don't like this. I don't like this. And <sighs> it was weird because me and his girlfriend were having some kind of telepathy going on. We we're connected on some level. <laughs> and he was just he was just messing up the whole vibe <laughs> no I mean just seriously I'm joking but energetically because I'm not trying to get sucked into his vibe this is my first night too Yeah, yeah. I don't want to fucking whatever road he's going down I don't want any part of that shit exactly you know what I'm saying and I was empathetic like I was like you know I wish I feel bad for the dude but I was pretty chill and I wanted to just stay in that chill zone yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to trip out on somebody else's shit, man. It's not my But trip, you were able man. to keep that cool? I was, yeah. But the second night was like one of those nights where I, I was like clawing the floorboards and I was like stuck in these sine waves, which is like this crazy trap and I couldn't get out and it was insanity for like two hours. Like I thought I was going to go insane. It was oh, like just getting to the next breath. Just get like literally it was like, yeah. I just need to get to the next breath. 
over yeah. and over and over again. And then you puke shit up and you purge it. <laughs> and you see all the shit. Sometimes you see demons like pouring out of your mouth. And it's just, it's just insane, man. It's I can insane. Imagine. Yeah. I have, I, but, I'm feeling called. And it, but in my experience, like some of my hardest nights, the next day is when I felt the best after those really difficult yeah. nights. I just felt at peace and like I'd worked through some shit and yeah. I purged a lot of crap. I didn't like, I felt really light, light and centered, like and peaceful. So I was like, Oh man, it was hard and it was work in the moment, but um, like I got through it. But as you drink ayahuasca more and more, it takes time. You learn to navigate it better and better so that even if it's difficult, you learn like the tricks just, part of which is relaxing, taking deep breaths, paying attention to the Icaros. Yeah. But it's really about like relaxing and not get, trying to get overwhelmed. And sometimes it can get overwhelming, even if you're experienced. Yeah. You'd be like, oh my God, the shit I'm seeing with it. It could get really nasty. Like, especially if you're there longer and you see stuff, you see like the whole, you could see much more parts of the world. Like sometimes like maybe for some tourists or whatever people that come down it's like the light show or whatever like you see all the good stuff or whatever but that's not the whole world of the world of ayahuasca it's like a whole universe like with dark and light good and bad and all that yeah. shit so i guess my point i've seen plenty of that other shit that dark shit i've seen it yeah. that's why I, I mean that's a whole other discussion but basically when i was down there i be, kind of became part of the culture like the ayahuasca culture and there were some resentments and stuff. So I'd be like, you know, for people that believe in that shit, you know, spiritually attacked by brujos and stuff like that. Yeah. People put hits on my family to like take us down, like hits. And when I mean hits, I mean like they'd pay brujos to do shit, like have ceremonies and throw curses at us. And I got a crazy story for you. Male witches, right? Brujos. Brujos, yeah. A bruja yeah. is a female witch. A female. And brujeria, brujeria, brujeria okay. is witchcraft. Brujo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Brujeria. And an hechicera is a sorceress or hechicero. Yeah. Sorcerer. There's all kind of people like in the jungle that do all sorts of shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I say they put hits on, you know, someone pays a brujo to do some fucked up shit to you. So one night, and my wife is from the jungle. That's where she grew up in a jungle village and her grandmother was a Karendera. So they knew some shit. But one night, my wife did have a sense of someone being outside our door, like 11 o'clock at night. We had like a little apartment in the hood, in the jungle, basically. There wasn't another gringo that lived in that complex, at least our part. It was kind of in the hood, but it was cool. Um, but anyway, she had this sense of someone outside. And I know I think she smelled some mapacho smoke. And for those that don't know, mapacho is like kind of a little cigar cigar. Sure, with, yeah. uh, a true mampacho is filled with a nicotina rustica, which is like this great jungle tobacco or whatever, which I used to be, I don't really smoke, but I smoked it when I was down in the jungle. Yeah. Especially in ceremony, I got in the habit like the shamans of smoking mapacho during ceremony. It just became part of my thing that I did during ceremony. I think it made me kind of calm me and made me feel a little bit of power of the tobacco and stuff while you're under the you know, influence of ayahuasca. It's just a good feeling to smoke. It's protective. Um, but so anyway, so my wife had a sense of somebody being outside the door. And the next day, she hears, hears the woman from upstairs yelling 
at her son, like her 16 year old son. And she basically yelled out the whole story, which was basically like, why did you fucking take like, whatever, $10, 30 solas from a fucking brujo to do this? Some brujo paid him. The mother just explained the whole thing. She's like, they, they never, they meaning us, they never did anything to you. Leave them the fuck alone. Leave them alone. What the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you getting involved in this shit? Somebody, so this woman or somebody paid this kid to take a mapacho that was like treated by a brujo with a curse or whatever the fuck it has in it to smoke it in front of our doorstep. Crazy. Understand? It was like, yeah, to fuck with us. So my wife, the next day, walks up to the kid and just looks at him and just gives him this look. <laughs> he can't even oh, look at my wife, but she just looks at him like, Basically, like, do not fuck with me, look. Do not fuck with me. He couldn't look at my wife. And the mom was uh, not happy. Not happy. But so we used to deal with all that crazy shit in the jungle because I live in the jungle. So the whole point I was saying is, like, I've dealt with the dark side and witchcraft, and I've been witchcrafted and had witchcraft taken out of me. And I'm sure some people that are going to listen to this are going to think I'm insane or whatever, but that's basically what happened. So. And you have a bull, right? A what? A bull. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a bull on my chest. That's so they amazing. say. We'll see. I'm not gonna give away all my secrets, but it's possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Hopefully he's still there. Yeah, but it was crazy. I mean, this yeah, I saw all these visions of stuff like, like that and and but I, I had my moment of uh enlightenment. Yeah. In ayahuasca where I came to that like meet come to Jesus, meet God moment moment um it was like in my 36th ceremony it was crazy it was just like here's reality and just my ego dissipating and it this is at least how i experienced it um you know i saw like the center of the universe like just the ball of light and it was expanding 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 and it was like it was like first it was like oh you're looking at creation this is yeah. creation, like this is the origin. Look at that expansion. And then the second realization was like, that's you. Yeah. You're looking at yourself because your ego's dissipated. Yeah. And then you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it was after I calmed down that I saw that. And then I sat up eventually and I calmed down. And then. I was just stopping to think. I don't think I've ever told this story like to anyone like a podcast or anything like that. We might have spoken about it. I don't know, but I don't think it's been recorded. Um, but anyway, I sat up and I relaxed and and then, then it was like my heart chakra burst open and I felt I think I think I even said, um, you have enough love in your heart for the whole world. Yeah. That's what it felt like at the time. Like it's just my heart is open. So essentially that means I'm connected to, to the source. My heart feels wide open and this love is flowing because I'm directly connected to the source. Yeah. Right. So if I'm directly connected to the source, in some sense, I'm like a portal to that love. So I do have enough love for the whole world. Yeah. Whether somebody receives that or not, that's a different question, I guess you could say, but I felt it. I just felt like, Whoa, like this, it's just like flowing like a spigot. And then I kind of had that, like I was in a, 
I felt I was like kind of in a Buddha state of mind, but just also this like omniscience, like I just had, I felt I had like a deep understanding of everything. Like I could just look at the whole world and understand it all. And that's very hard to really describe, I guess. It's just like a sense. Like I understand everything. I am at the center. Some stupid shit. Like that's what it kind of felt like. Like I was at the really super centered and everything was just the flow at that point. Like there was no, it wasn't like even my mind was flowing, my mind, my heart, whatever. And so I think it was like tapping into the like universal knowledge, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I was tapping into this thing that like Tesla probably figured out how to tap it all the time because he was a genius and just had that connection to the universe or whatever Oof, and stuff that, that gonna... you've talked about. Yeah, I have learned more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So would you um, say that you were a pure consciousness in that situation? Like you're just a thought with your I mean, emotions I, and, and thoughts? I think at, at some level, yes. Like when I saw, and, and this is where it gets really hard to experience it because I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm explaining it like I was an observer, but I really wasn't. I was it. Yeah. I was it. You like, were the universe. Like I was the center of the universe. Yeah. And so, and I guess in a sense, like you're the center of the universe. Like everyone is the center of the universe. It's like, it's just the center of the universe spitting these versions or these things of itself that I guess it, it interacts with or it, it so it can, so it can uh, experience itself. Yeah. So the universe can experience itself. Exactly. Right? Through all these different eyes, through all these different experiences. So I guess if you look at it like that, you could also say, like some people say it's love. And I could agree with that. I felt that too. Like the center of the universe is love. Yeah. Some people are going to say, well, that's ridiculous. That's, you know, fantasy or some shit. But, and I'm not saying there's no science or the universe doesn't have the Big Bang or whatever, right? Um, but let's just say for sake of argument that the universe is centered on love. That's the true center of the universe because that's what it feels like when you're all, when you feel that interconnectedness and you really feel like, like when you release all your bullshit, which is kind of what you, you, you're truly releasing that. I think in in a way that's kind of a sense of why a lot of people do ayahuasca. I'm not trying to speak for everybody, but I think in, in a way, is because once you become aware and aware of yourself and your shortcomings or things you don't like, like I think at the end of the day, you just want to be centered within yourself. Like you want to be centered within your heart. Like you want to feel happy basically or that your heart's open and you want to be centered with your mind, that your mind's at peace. Yeah. I would think that for most people, that's, I know that's one of my goals and I'm not always there yet to this day. Like I'm not always at peace or centered or whatever. I have my moments. Um, but I definitely think that's something ayahuasca can help you with. Definitely. It's fascinating. Like I only I, I almost want to ask you the question, what do you think would happen if everyone took ayahuasca? Because that is I mean, well that I I guess I would go beyond that question. I'll answer that question, but Really, the question is, what is it that we could all do that would affect us in that way? Yeah, yeah. That everyone yeah. would be willing to do. Yeah, it could be anything, right? It could be meditation. It could be like, like, what if it if it could be this glass of water and we all drank it? Yeah. So, because my answer would be like, 
let's just say everyone drank ayahuasca. Some people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to drink it. Exactly. Right? So what do you think it's going to do for them? Probably not, something not very good. Not all of them. There could be some exceptions. But some of them could have a very bad experience. Yeah, it's like you 2% know? of the world is really not going to have the, the therapeutic effect. And they would have, they would experience something go, going bad, like get but, worse. But that's what I mean. It's like, to me, it's like, okay, if you're called the ayahuasca, great. Go find a good place to drink it and drink it. But if yeah. you're not, who cares? That's personal choice. Exactly. So, I don't know. Should everyone do yoga? Should everyone ride a bike? That is because uh, that is interesting. Yesterday, I saw this news article that says that meditation causes anxiety and depression. Really? Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck are you trying to pull here? What the hell?" And, right? And and who wrote that? Fucking state government, like like the the, the well, news. There you go. Yeah, the news <laughs> outlet. It was like, "Oh my god!" Now you're just getting fucking desperate. You know. So, yeah. This is why I like Krishnamurti because I think at the end of the day, what he says is like. And I'm not anywhere near the level of Krishnamurti. I don't understand half the shit he's saying, to be honest with you, but I try. Yeah. But I think you really have to sit with it. You have, that's why when you read Krishnamurti, you got to read one or two pages, in my opinion. You don't, like, rip through 20 pages. No. You read one, two, three, four, or a chapter, and you sit with it. Like, what did he mean by that? Like, yeah. that's one of those books that you want to at least take away some idea of what he's saying, because there's, like, a lesson there. Yeah. But he basically said, don't take my word for it. Don't take this guy's word for it. At the end of the day, you got to figure out your own path. He talks about meditation and stuff and things you can do to, you know, help yourself. And like, you've got to really quiet the mind and all this stuff. But he's basically saying, you got to find this shit out for yourself, man. Yeah. So. You're like we're the, all the alchemist, right? Pablo Coelho, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if I've ever actually read that book. Oh my god! I know I read the Four Agreements, but I don't know if I read that one. Oh, should is, I? Yes. <laughs> Look, like literally, it's right here. I'm having it like on my night or my. I must have it somewhere. Time. All right, I'm gonna read that shit. Yes. See what I mean? Like, like you talk about interesting books. Like, I got yeah. So I could be the same thing. If you were here, I'd say we should check out this or this or this. Yeah. And there might be a few books that I would have no idea you're interested in, but you might read. But you interested in them? Who knows? Exactly. So, it's like Krishnamurta is like advanced, right? You have to reflect on his thoughts. And yep. within the alchemist, it's kind of the same, but it's not as advanced. You don't need to be advanced. If you read it, you should read it multiple times because when you first read it, you won't get the point if you're not open to okay. the growth, right? And then you read it again and it's like, right. oh my fucking God, it's... He gets these two stones. It's just about a shepherd who's following something he saw in a dream, right? And then the, it's the story behind right. where he started and when he's end, where he's ending off. And during one point, or several, like so many, one of them is just he go a, a guy sends his son to a um, a wise man, the wisest man of men, right, and to find the secret of happiness. And so he, he travels for 40 days in the desert. He finds this castle, he goes in there, he travels the stairs, comes into this really busy place where traveling merchants are all over the place and there's so many people. And the wise man can talk to him right away. He has to wait for two hours until he talks to him. And then he's like, okay, so this is a big question, the secret to happiness. I want you to go around in my house 
and see my house, get to know it, and then take these two drops of oil in this spoon, go around and come back in two hours. And so he does. He goes around and he checks it out and he comes back and he says, okay, so what did you say? What did you see? Well, I, I saw all of this. Uh, actually, I didn't see anything. I saw the, the two drops. I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to keep them in the spoon, right? I focused on keeping the drops in the spoon. So, okay, cool. You have to do it again then because you can't know a man until you know his house. So he goes again and he checks it out. He sees the mountains. He sees the garden. He, he sees uh, the library. He sees all of this food on the table. He sees these beautiful tapestries and all of the art and really just a marvel of a, a castle, right? And he comes yep. back and he's, the wise man asks, so what did you see? I saw it all. It was amazing, dude. Cool. Where is the two drops of oil? And he sees that he dropped them. He, they're gone. They're not in the spoon. And then he says like, okay, so the question, the answer to happiness in life is to see all of the, the marvels of life, but still keep your eye on the two drops of oil in the spoon. Uh -huh. And that is like, when you go through that once, it's like, okay, okay. But then the second time it has more meaning, right? right. These simple phrases that hold so much truth like the universe is conspiring to help you if you have an intentional dream and stuff. Right. So yeah, definitely read The Alchemist because it's like right. a low, it's a good entry point. Yep. Yep. Asil Saiban, by the way, you said that you, uh, you were on the verge of purging on ayahuasca. And um, that is amazing. Like when you on that, you are connected to that place and it's so uncomfortable for the body. And I remember lying on the porch trying to keep myself from puking and shitting myself at the same time. And that changed my life when you are that connected to everything and you understand everything and you, you, but then you also realize that there's probably not a lot of people in the world that wants to go through the place where you have to focus on breathing and not shitting yourself and puking. Right. right that work is hard. Yep. Well, it's funny, like, some people, everyone has their preferences, and when you drink ayahuasca, if you're going to purge, it seems like it's 50-50, I don't know, some people go at the front, some people go at the back. Yeah. I don't think in 150 ceremonies, I ever went the back, out, out the back for some reason. I was a puker. And sometimes pretty loud. It's in my film. You'd be like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, but it didn't bother me. Like it was hard. It was hard work and it didn't feel the most pleasant, but I don't, I can, I can deal with puking. Like some people just hate the idea of puking. I could, it was hard, but I could deal with it. I'm not saying it was pleasant in any manner because it's not pleasant, but I'd just be in my mind going, okay, you're purging, just purge focus on purging this shit yeah it's not gonna be pleasant but you're doing work but it's hard physically hard and shit like it could be physically emotionally psychologically you just because you could be having these visions it could be unpleasant yeah you could be like struggling with something or trying to release something or releasing bad memories or spirits or however you want to look at it but when people are purging they're like they're doing work they're getting shit out yeah it's not necessarily pleasant and then they teach you eventually, for some reason, it doesn't have to be super unpleasant. You can get to the point of, it's a breath. You're just breathing it out. You're relaxing it out, you know? Yeah. That's what I mean. It takes time to learn how to navigate that space. 
I was more of a puker, even probably well into my Honda ceremony. I puked from time to time, maybe not always, but but I had other nights where I yawn it out or whatever. It was just a real gentle purge or whatever. Nice. It depend, depended, depended like how much shit I had to purge. Yeah. Like I've had a shitload of stuff to go. Some shit had happened to me. I've had nights where it was like a deep purge and I just kept puking and shit was coming out all night and it was exhausting and challenging as fuck. Did you have any idea of what you were purging? Like a specific thing? I mean, I mean, I mean, a lot of it was like, kind of like, some of it was like demons, definitely. Like I saw these demon forms and stuff, which I could, you could translate as bad energies. I think some of it was like some uh, childhood shit that happened to me Yeah, that maybe I had to deal with on a deeper level. Um, but I don't, I didn't necessarily always have a clear idea. Like, Oh, it's just, sometimes I did put it this way. Sometimes I did like, Oh, this is envy or this is whatever. This is fear. You know what I mean? This is a sadness. I'm purging this. I don't need this. It doesn't serve me anymore. Or in some nights it was just like, I don't know what it is, but I got to get rid of it. Yeah. I don't have to, in my, in my mind, I don't have to know what every purge like, oh, this, I don't have to categorize it. Like in my mind, if it's coming out, it was meant to come out. Yeah. Just let it go out. That's hard enough. Just like dealing, like I said, you got to follow the Akaros. Like if you're really Mariata, which means you're really in that visionary state, it's kind of a loose, loose word for drunk, yeah. Mariato in Spanish, but it means you're in that visionary state after you've drunk ayahuasca, like whatever half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour later that you're in there. You know, they, the shamans have brought up the mariación, the vision in the ceremony. The shamans run the ceremony, right? So they bring it up and they protect the ceremony. They set the space, first of all. And then they start doing their, singing their icaros, their chants, which is, you know, for them, that's, that's like, it's medicine. It's not necessarily music per se. It's medicine or it's instructions from the spirits of what to do in the ceremony. Like you're going to do this and this and this. This is what you need to do to heal this person. The plant spirits give them these like Icaros, medicine songs or chants, whatever you're going to call them. Say songs for sake of conversation, the song. They're instructions like how to cure somebody of this or how to protect the ceremony space or how to call in like lightness and air so we can like kind of clear up the space or how to remove dark energies or how to have a warrior protect the space or how to bring in rain, you know, all these things that these shamans learn how to do. They, they're literally singing the instructions out and doing the structure of the ceremony. And they'll bring the mariación up, the visionary stuff up. And they know when people are about to puke. Usually people start popping like one, two, after, you know, people start popping and puking or going to the bathroom. And there's an energy, the energy's raised and raised. And then if it starts getting too intense, they'll lower it down. You know, sometimes this, and if the jungle's quiet, they'll bring it down to like from ah to like they'll bring it down, down, down. And maybe they'll just take a ten minute break. It depends on the night. Sometimes it might be one peak and it's like that. And it's an easier ceremony. Other times like there could be peaks and valleys. And they bring it down a little bit. They bring they start going again ten minutes later, fifteen minutes later, everyone's puking again, or it's crazy. They yeah. do that for ten, fifteen minutes, they bring it down again. Maybe they have to work on a few other people. It's like, it depends. Each night is different, but usually the ceremonies would be like three or four hours. But by the end of the night, they're trying to really wrap it up and everyone's calm and in a good place. 
Like they yeah. started off in a place of calm and they ended in a place of calm. That's the goal. So, yeah. but there's a lot to it. It's, a, it's interesting. You've had what, 150 ceremonies? Something like, yeah, about 150. Yeah. And over the first like one you had. five, six years. Yeah. And the first one was yeah. chill, mellow, not really a lot of purging. And then it was pretty chill. It was like, it was like a good opener for me. Like I didn't freak out, but I saw some stuff and I was like, I was even like, all right, this isn't so bad. It kind of gave me a gentle, but I think the second night I kind of had a feeling I was going to get my ass kicked. I was definitely, a lot of it is dealing with your fear. Like in my experience, not everyone, but a lot of people, most people go down there, especially for the first time because there's a certain sense of unknown, but at least back when I was going back in those days, uh, but I think a lot of first timers go down with some kind of level of fear. Yeah. Because they should. don't know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And they have doubts. Maybe they're afraid it's not going to work. Maybe they're afraid. There's all sorts of fears. It's not going to meet their expectations. Yeah. Maybe they're afraid it was a waste of time. Maybe they're afraid of what they're going to see. Anyway, there's all these unknowns and it's all normal, I think, to think those things, you know? Oh, definitely. But also knowing I mean, what thoughts do, that is, that could go but, either way. Yeah. So what I did in the case, I think, Literally, I went two months after I bought my ticket. I wanted to educate myself a little bit. So I got like one of the best known books written by a doctor that went down and studied it for a couple of years. And wrote, he had a lot of it, personal experiences. But he wrote about dozens of people's experiences, what they saw and what he saw and what people were healed. So I had a certain idea of what it was about. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to have a certain kind of understanding. And like I said, it was a gringo shaman, American shaman. And the mestizo, and I thought it was good because if you go deep in the jungle and you don't speak Spanish, and they do all this stuff, and they're not going to explain it to you, and you're not really going to know what the fuck's going on. Exactly. You're just not, and that's okay if you want to do it hardcore style like that. That's fine, right? Yeah. But I thought it was a good idea to like get an explanation and understand that. So I, I wanted to understand the process. I'm always interested in process, but I think if I'm going to go through something like this. I kind of want to have a sense of what I'm getting into and, and okay. some explanations and shit like that. Yeah. So I'm exactly the same way. My first LSD or my first interaction with psychedelics was on LSD. I was supposed to go for mushrooms and then take the easy ride out, but it became, it, it ended up at LSD. And then during that, I was more of a guide than a participant. Because I had read so much about what it does, what I could expect, what I could know. So the knowledge leads to the experience. And mm -hmm. yeah, if you know the process, you're well better off. Like you, you're, yeah. it's a world of difference. But I, I also think like I've seen people that are like, actually meditation is a good practice to get to the point of drinking ayahuasca. Because you know, yeah. you know about breaths and kind of relaxing. And that's half the battle. If you like, if you'd start coming on, it's just, just, you know, take your deep breaths and try to kind of get into a meditative state and just try to center yourself. Yeah. And if you can relax, usually it'll be okay. Yeah. But sometimes people come with there with some shit and some issues and they just have to go through the shit, man. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. I've had some really difficult nights where I was barely holding on, screaming shit out. And it was like, what the fuck? <sighs> and like, why the fuck did I ever drink this shit? What the fuck am I doing? Like, yeah. just like insanity. But on some level, realizing I had to get this shit out. I'm doing it for, there's a reason, but it's hard. 
and I saw, but I saw plenty of other people go through that shit as well. Or yeah. some people just suffer in silence. Or some people, including me, it wasn't all bad. You could have plenty of great ceremonies or just peaceful or kind of uneventful or just really cool or fun or amazing. I've had, yeah. or all, all in one, like bad, scary, rough, amazing visual, you know, everything like in one ceremony. You could have it all in one ceremony. Um, but then I learned eventually, like, not really to have expectations, just to kind of go in, like, yeah. it was more like, okay, ayahuasca, whatever I need to learn or whatever you're going to present to me. Like, I never had, like, I want to do this. I wanna, it was just like, I just want to experience the ceremony. How much? Give me what I need, basically. If there's something I need or a lesson or whatever, that's what I want to have. Exactly. So you're, you're so, setting, you're not having expectations, but you're setting some kind of an intent. Right, exactly. Setting yeah. an intent. Some kind of a personal question that you want to try to get answered. Yep. Yeah. Or something I want to purge or work on or yeah, yeah. or like just kind of see something like yeah. It'd be it'd be really interesting because I haven't drunk ayahuasca in like shit, maybe like seven years, which is a long time. Yeah. So if I do drink it one day, if I go back down to Pro and drink it just to see I wouldn't even know if I'd know what to expect again. It'd be like, it. I guess on some level, it's kind of like riding a bike, but a very difficult bike down a very steep hill with no helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the dark with no lights. But uh, um, <laughs> no, I don't road. know. Like, I wouldn't want to take like, a huge dose or anything, but it'd be like, like I kind of got like almost like trained. I got like trained. Like I trained in the jungle where like me and especially a buddy of mine, you should have him on sometime. I'm going to yeah. see if he wants to do your podcast. Yeah. I'll just call him, I'll just call him Ujong. Nice. That's his jungle, uh, jungle name, Ujong. A good friend of mine that I met, an American down in the jungle, who was uh, apprenticing to be a shaman. I saw um, him in the show, in the documentary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, he lives down there. Yeah. Um, but we talked about if I if I ever did it, I, I'd go down and deal with him. Yeah, and it it would just be interesting because I haven't done it in such a long time, so I wouldn't even really know what to expect. I wouldn't want to really have expectations. It'd be like more of like I need to clean myself out or kind of purge some shit and maybe do a diet and stuff. He knows all that, what I would need to do, but um, yeah, that's what I'd probably go do it with now. I, I would do it with a trusted friend, probably no one else, Fuck not yeah. even a recommendation. Set so, and setting. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Never do mushrooms or ayahuasca or anything with people you don't trust. Exactly. That's what, yeah, not a good idea. Yeah. No. I mean, like being unsensitive to that regard, like, first of all, I think if you were just open in a level and sent, like I've, because I was at a place once and some guy wanted to bring his friend over and he described him. I was like, and I was on mushrooms. We were on mushrooms. I'm like, nope. Yeah. I don't want to meet him. He sounds like a bad, why would I want to meet that guy? Yeah. But my point is, those kind of things can open you up like energetically. When I'm on mushrooms, I could definitely read a person's energy like like yeah. nothing. Like yeah, yeah. looking at like a you could like look at their heart and be like you can just feel it. Yeah, intuitively. And I'm pretty. I I like to think I'm pretty good at feeling people's energy now. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the things I got better at drinking ayahuasca or whatever. I know my wife can do it. I think I think I think anyone. I think we all have that capability if you tap into it. Yeah, it's a that skill. If you're if you're observant, you can read somebody's energy. Yeah. But you have to be open for it to be possible, and then you have to train yourself. Right. And then on a psilocybin, you're basically just taking off the training wheels and going down the hill.
right like i was at this party and one guy i was trying to talk to him a little bit and he was a friend of a friend and i was picking up his energy was like kind of really jumbled and i felt like i was talking to a psychopath or some shit yeah i just said i just cut myself i gotta go i cut my i couldn't i just felt this bad energy i'm like i don't want to deal with this shit because i was tripping i was yeah. tripping on mushrooms and then i saw this friend of mine who was a beautiful woman and she was a young, beautiful woman. She was just a friend that came with me to this New Year's Eve party. It was like a small party with some friends. Me and my friend did mushrooms. I had mushrooms and we did them New Year's Eve. And... But anyway, I looked at her and her heart looked kind of dark. Like her heart was like, she didn't have a good heart. And I was just looking at her. I was like, damn, that's fucked up. That like, And it was, it was undeniable to me that I was feeling that energy. It wasn't my imagination. I could just feel people's energy. Yeah. And I had to get away from that too. Um, but yeah, those kind of things are interesting as far as how they can open you up even more to like feeling, you know, energies and stuff like that. Definitely. I have a few books that I have to read about that. Because I think it would aid a lot when you're in that state of mind. Yeah. But, and then this brought up the thought for me of, uh, so, you know, as you know, I went out out of the city for like a, like three days. We were at the end of Long Island. Yeah. in the Hamptons, which is really very beautiful. You saw the pictures like on the beach and fishing and all that stuff. But dude, the, the reason, I wish I had a house there because so basically it's on the other end of Long Island from Brooklyn, about a hundred miles out or so. And it's just, there's a lot of woods back there and beautiful beaches. And it's just, once you get out of town, it's just really peaceful. Yeah, It's like, and I've always felt like, I've always felt like really Zen there. It's just like, I love it there because of the feeling I get when I'm there. Yeah. I just like really chill out in the woods or if I'm fishing at the ocean, like that's, I really feel at peace. And the longer I'm there, like the more and more, like I was there for three days, like we don't want to go. We're actually yeah. going again in like 10 days. We decided we got pretty good rate in a hotel and car. We're gonna, before my son starts school, we had such a good time. We're going to go out again. But like, that's something we talk about, like, like as far as, um, helping people with the ability to kind of live the life that they want or whatever. Yeah. And to me, that's not even really like a, uh, if I could have it, it's not so much a, uh, like a material thing, but if I could have like a little house out there, yeah, like to split time or live just because of the feeling I get when I'm there. Like I love the city, but if I could, I would have both of those in my life. Like I have three or four or five days in the city or I, I stay in the city for a week and I go out there for a week. You know, like I deep impress, like fish. I'm out in nature. Are you, you know? barefoot? And then, what's that? Are you going without shoes, barefoot on the beach? And No, because, I mean, sometimes, but we didn't in this case. But, you know, it's funny. I thought about that. I didn't really walk barefoot on the grass, but I should have. Yeah. But if I'm fishing, if I go to Montauk because it's rocky, I'm wearing shoes of some sort or something because even flip-flops are going to hurt. Yeah. The rocky beach. And also, but the fishing's serious. Like, I would do it on a sandy beach, but some of those fish have, like, some serious teeth and snappers, and you don't want to be barefoot when you're pulling in these fish and stuff like that. Because yeah. you could get bit on the foot. It would not It would not be pleasant. Like, a bluefish is, like, a, a decent, like, eight, nine, ten-pound bluefish. Mess. A big enough bluefish could take your finger off. Yeah. Or come damn close. So if he, like, chomped you in your foot, it would hurt like a mofo and probably get infected and all that shit. Yeah. Um if we go back, yeah, we'll probably just walk. Like, it was pretty foggy and stuff and a little windy. But yeah, at one point we were like playing in the waves and 
walked around and you know barefoot a little bit and stuff and uh but that's the thing like i was saying like i like the woods but also just like standing by the ocean even when it's rough but like yesterday morning it was uh foggy and rough but we went and hung out for like quick like 10 minutes and um but it's just kind of very meditative to me just to watch yeah. the waves come in and hear the sounds and it's just very peaceful to me so in a perfect world that would be part of my world that i could have that like my a friend of mine from college lent us was nice enough to him and his wife lent us their house for like three days they got like a little cottage with a nice sized backyard but it's in the woods a little bit like it's beach and woods basically and it's just really quiet and peacefully barbecued back there and chilled out and i went got up early and like the first day went to Montauk Point and watched the sunrise and just a whole different world than, you know, being in New York City. Yeah. Also, yeah, because it's energetically different too. Like there's less radiation stuff and no Wi-Fi. And I really problem. like it. Yeah. I totally yep. understand. Yep. I need to That's take it. You I like the Norway. energy of that place. And even that place for some reason, not that I couldn't find it in other places, but I've yet to find a place that makes me feel like that place makes me feel. I know a few places I introduce you to. But but that's that's the other thing like we've also talked about like one of the things for me personally is to, you know, do my best to get out in nature more. Yeah. I wanna definitely appreciate nature and just be in it. Yeah. And less watching of the news, like you said. Yeah. About that now we're that we're on nature. Tesla. Mm-hmm. Fucking Tesla. So yeah. you've heard of 369, of course. 369, remind me what that is. The numbers of the Maybe universe, it's... basically. Tesla said that if you know the significance of 3, 6, and 9, then you know the keys to the universe. Wow. Maybe I didn't know those numbers exactly. So that's interesting. It is. Uh, he also Three, did some nine. weird stuff. He went around the block three times because before he went into the apartment building. He did a lot of, a lot really? of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he Let me really... When I have like a book on on digital book of him that you know, and I mean, I've read a little bit about Tesla, but he definitely interests me. Yeah, I think he was. My perspective is that he was number one a genius, but he figured out how to tap into the universe. Exactly, exactly. Like, how the fuck did he do that with the numbers? Because he's crazy. Like the golden ratio, right? Mm -hmm. It's fucking amazing. I, I did. It didn't really sink in until I saw a GIF of that kind of closing in on itself the golden right. ratio just constantly closing in on itself and i was like oh my fucking god and then you have the the cosmos has the same pattern in the golden ratio as a fucking seashell right all of these symbols and fractal patterns that goes through nature and so he was really obsessed with three six and nine and let's say three a circle 360 degrees right yep Three plus six plus zero is nine, right? Yep. 180 degrees. One plus eight is nine. Right. 45 degrees. Four plus five is nine. Yeah. 22 and a half degrees. Two plus two plus five is nine. No matter how far down you go on that road, you will end up at nine. No matter the fuck what you do. And if you go through the numbers in patterns like... Oh, I have to rewatch the video because it was really dense, fucking advanced shit. But nine, even the fucking number is shaped as the golden ratio. <laughs> yeah. 
see, like that kind of stuff, I think for me, I've read some books that try to like uh, Stephen Hawking. Yeah. I can understand a certain amount of it. I don't know if I have the mind for that, like my mind work, or I'm just not that smart or whatever, but some things I understand and some things I don't. Same here. I think, but I think some is, of those guys, their minds are so beyond, they could try to, it's like ayahuasca, they could try to explain it to you. Maybe yeah. if you're really good at math, you have a better understanding or physics. I mean, I'm sure people that study it understand it, but if you're just, let's say, average, you're just, average, you know, I, I consider myself relatively intelligent. Yeah. But some of the shit that they talk about, I'm like, I'm really not sure if I understand this concept. I don't know if I'm getting this. Exactly. Kind of thing. But that's like, I'm thing. not ashamed to admit there's plenty of shit I don't understand. There's plenty of shit I don't understand. Yeah. So. But it also, it always starts like that, right? If you start to develop some some knowledge about one skill, the more you know, right. the less you're gonna have that uncomfortable feeling about not knowing, and then it's just going to start growing, and then all of a sudden it's like, huh, holy crap! Like right. when you're meditating, you're kind of like, you can't ex expect everything to change overnight. All of a sudden, right. you just realize that you changed. Yep. Well, that was like me. Like it's weird how my my mind works. Like sometimes I'll latch on to things and I'll get passionate about it because I want to learn about a new thing or whatever. Like it was art and still, I'm still want to do art, but it was art for a while that I was really doing that. And over the summer, for some reason I got back into fishing, but I learned about bass fishing. But all I can tell you, not that I've caught a lot of bass, but as far as having the intellectual, actually, I mean, having the intellectual knowledge of how to catch them. Yeah. I know way more now than I did like three months ago. Hell yeah. Like, and I had to rig them what to do. I've just been fishing in a lake in Brooklyn that's highly pressurized, so it's not that easy to catch fish. Not that they're in there. I've caught a few, but you're not going to pull out like 10 or 15 fish a day. It's nothing like that. Exactly. But on the, whatever, on the intellectual level, I've watched like fucking 50, 60 uh, YouTube videos of, from guys that are competitors. So the experts, you watch from the experts or guys that fish all the time or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so I've learned a bunch of shit. Um, that I didn't know before. So yeah, I guess yeah. it depends on where your interests lie. And also that's, it's, holy crap, now everything is kind of falling back on itself, which is cool. So I, I mentioned the uh, RAS, the reticular activating system, right? Mm -hmm. That is the most powerful thing that I have ever understood. Because it's like when you sit yourself, if you think to yourself that, okay, how many red Hondas are there, right? I wonder how many red Hondas there are in New York. Then as you go out, your reticular activating system will filter out the information that is not relevant to you achieving that result. So you'll mm -hmm. see these Hondas all over the place. And okay. that's the same thing. If you start to read something and you want to learn something in a, let's say, a acad academic book, right? Mm -hmm. You go through the end of the chapter that you're going to study. You see what questions they're going to ask you. You go back and start reading the chapter. Your brain is then activated. Your RAS is primed for those kind of questions, and you'll see the answers as you read through them. You know. Okay. So you'll mm -hmm. kind of filter out what you need, and it's so fucking amazing when you're trying to learn something because you just ask yourself the question: What is it that I want to get out of this? And you're activating your reticular activating system, and you're filtering out the information that you need. Everything else is irrelevant because it's right. not supporting the results you're achieving or you want to achieve right <coughs> it's fucking so it's, it's amazing it's so interesting yeah, yeah. And i think that's well, i was also... just thinking about 
I, you know, drove home uh, yesterday morning. We made good time. And I was careful, but I was just thinking about like, if you're engaged in driving, which you should be, I mean, some of it could get hypnotic or whatever. Oh yeah. But you have to, but you have to be aware, but if you're in traffic, you have to be, just think how your mind's working. It's like, it's like a sensor. If you're really engaged, it's like a sensor system. You're checking, you know, all angles. You're making sure you're going at a good speed. If you're not an idiot, like, like there was some guy in a stooped up Mustang that like went past us in 90 and he was zipping in lanes. And I said to my wife and I said, that's stupid. Like that's a young guy doing, you know, acting like an idiot, like, okay, that's fun for you. But what if you happen to lose control of your car or some shit or the rest of us are just trying to get home or some shit. And obviously I think the older you get, the more you have that in your mind is you're just trying to get home. Right. Yeah. You're not trying to get into an accident, especially if you have a family, you're not looking to, you know, drag race anybody. Exactly. Um, But, and so like, you know, you do your best to stay like at a good length from each car. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to get too close or do whatever. You don't want to have anybody like uh, tailgating, which sucks, which is annoying as fucking dangerous. But anyway, it just struck me like you really have to be just imagine all the things that are going on in your like mind and body so that you could, you could make that journey. Like how complex that is. Yeah. Cause you're making all these judgments all the time. Yeah. And in the beginning it was really hard. And then all of a sudden you could do it on the automatic. The only thing you have to right. do is just right. focus on the things that you have to be aware of. And then your body yeah. has the rest. Like I was just driving along and we were almost there. And I'm one of those people like, well, like when my son were three blocks from home, he's like, we're home. I'm like, we're not home till we walk through the door. Yeah. We're not home. Home is when we walk through the door. Yeah. Trying to like, kind of tell him like, don't, don't like act like things are over before they're over. Yeah. It's over when it's over. Exactly. You know, and that, because if you do, that could affect you in some negative way. If it's a sporting event or whatever, like, you know, those rare times when a team thinks it's over and the other team comes back to win because they didn't stop playing or whatever. And then everyone's shocked or some real life shit where you're just like, you think you're, you're home free, but you haven't done everything you need to do to order to be like, at least relax on some kind of level. Um, yeah. It's like when you're having a bee buzzing around you, buzzing around you, and then you're scared of it stinging you and you're all in that fear mode and you're trying to avoid it and stuff, but has it stung you? You're reacting to yeah. some future outcome that hasn't happened yet. And then that is affecting how you're feeling right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Don't, don't, be in the don't skin the bear until it's shot basically right yeah but that's probably one of those challenges for most people like that's kind of like saying in a sense it's the same thing as saying no don't worry about the future yeah um and i think that's i think that's a good philosophy like you really want to try and be present yeah but probably for the average human being you you at least look ahead like unless you have like a trust fund or some shit if you're financially tied up you might be going what do i have to do like it's kind of hard not to put yourself in the future. Oh right? yeah, definitely. Like, 100%. Like, or let's say if you don't get some money, you're going to have a problem. How do yeah. you not put yourself in that space, at least for part of the time? You can't stay there. But part of your mind, most if you're like a normal person, has anxiety about this possible future event. Yeah. Right? Like if somebody that you loved was possibly going to die of cancer in three months, that would be on your mind. Yeah. It's hard to just always stay present. But then again, if you went to visit them or whatever, you would want to be present for them. Yeah. You can't fall apart for that person if you could help it. You got to be strong for them and present for them. Exactly. That's what they need. Oh, this is just bringing back a lot of... Have you heard of Sean Stevenson? 
No. This is not tying directly into how to be strong and be present. But it's kind of the, the discipline of the people who are going to make it and those who are not. So, Sean Stevenson. Sorry, those who what? It's like the mentality, the discipline that one needs to uh -huh. make something or that is going to not make it. Who's going okay. to go through some kind of pain in order to see how they're going to make it. Yep. And there's a very good analogy for this. Like he's, he was, he died. He was a motivational speaker with uh, Osmogenesis Imperfecta. Mm -hmm. Os yeah, I think he dies. Yeah. So he was really in a bad shape. Like he, his bones were brittle. He's sitting in a wheelchair, right? His life yeah. could have been a lot different. And he's sitting there talking about things that will make people happy, how to live a happy life, right? And then you see this and it's right. like, holy shit, if he's saying that, then of course, what, am, what the fuck am I complaining about? And then he's saying, right. when you have something and you want to help someone, there's right. a very good way to see, see it, to uh, look at the situation. So when the helicopters are flying out to sea to save those people who's been in the shipwreck, right? Mm -hmm. You know what they do? What? They find the people who's floating in the water. And if there's not enough room for everyone in that, for everyone, they fly a little bit away from the, the people so that they have to swim towards the helicopter. Okay. Some of them is going to be in a fucking panic state. And then they're going to see right. that, oh shit, they're not picking me up, right? I have to do something here. And then people are going to start swimming. And then it's up to the people who wants to be saved to actually go there and be saved. And really? that speaks volumes because how do you make Wait. that decision, right? How do you pick and choose who's going to die? Who does that? Fucking rescue helicopters. They do? Yeah. They make people swim to them? Now, I can't say for 100% sure, but if you walk to the middle of the ocean and there's a ship that has gone down and you don't have room right. for everyone, how do you choose, right? right? That's a damn good question. That's yeah. a good question. It is. I it would... makes you think. Well, let me ask you this, though. I guess it all, you know, every situation is different, but wouldn't you think if they knew there was a shipwreck, they would send out sufficient like helicopters or whatever oh, to, get, to get everyone? Definitely. But what if you are in that situation where you have to choose who's going to die and who's going to live? It's got to be a rough, that's a rough situation. Exactly. And then they I mean, put that in the hands of the person who wants to be saved, which is to me, it's kind right. of beautiful. Kind right. of, because it, it shows but then you have the problem. What if you have a whole bunch of go-getters floating in the water and everyone right. is going to the helicopter? But what if you're on a cruise and there's a bunch of old people? Exactly. They always, the, they always get the short end of the stick. I mean, you're right. Like, you don't know who's in the water. So, yeah, obviously. Look, exactly. that, that reminds me when I went on safari. It was in Botswana. And there was a line of, like, 20 of us and the guides. And there was this, like, native guy that went out to, you know, work with the guides. And he was talking to this elephant. But there was these big bull elephants going back and forth, looking like they wanted to do a false charge toward us. It was very dramatic. Yeah. Maybe it was like 125 feet. And I just looked, this is about 14 years ago. I just looked to the, like, to the right of me and to the left of me. And I just said, I may not be the fastest, but I'm not going to be the last. Like, I'm like, yeah. if this elephant charges, I'm not going to be like the last one. I'm going to be ahead of some people. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing that you're saying. Like, I want to live. Yeah. So I'm going to have, I'm going to do what I have to do to get from point A to point B. Exactly. So in this case, it means I got to haul ass. Yeah. So it makes sense. It ties way. really into what I do with the clients and stuff because how can I, I can, I can try to help everyone. 
but that would just bring me down, right? Like the helicopter. I could try to take on everyone, but I would die, right? Right. Or uh-huh. I could say that I'm open. I will, I will be here to help you. But if you're not ready to be saved, then I can't do shit for you. I will not hold your hand right. and let, yourself, let you drown me in the process. Which is like the, yeah. the victim mentality, right? Who has that victim mentality and are they actually ready to let go of it? Like, are you going right. to sit in that Jeep and get trampled by an elephant? Fuck no. Yep. Right? Yep. Even my fucking son, actually, it, that, that's the first time in a long time that I've seen him kind of go wide open or I, I, eyes wide because I was teared up. Like when he came out of the, the bathroom, he had brushed his teeth, he came out. And I'm seeing this guy, this video of Steven, uh, yeah, Stevenson. And he's, he's so inspirational, right? And I knew that he's died, that he has died, that he's dead. Mm-hmm. He died from a concussion. He, he was like really brittle, but he did whatever oh, okay. he could while he was alive to help as many right. people as he could. So he, when he's talking, you can feel the power of his words. And so right. at, at the end, as he went through that analogy, he's looking towards the, the audience. He's just saying like, I want to save you. I'm here, but you have to swim to me. And then we're like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then my son comes out. He looks at me. I'm not crying per se, but my eyes are definitely blank. And he's looking at me and he's like, dad, what's, what's wrong? I'm like, well, I'm just a little bit sad, but in a good way. I just saw this person. And then he saw the video of this guy who's in a wheelchair, really in a bad shape. And you could see like, oh my God, what is wrong with him? What, what, why, why is he in a wheelchair, right? We're going through this and I'm looking at him. And I, I felt like this is like, one of those cliche moments in movie. I put my hand on his shoulder. I watch him. I look at him and it's like, son, I just want you to be the best person you can be. Save those, help those people you can. Be a good person and just share what you can and be happy. Make people smile. And he was looking at me and just, yeah, yeah. And then, holy crap. And I know I'm going to talk to him about that today because this happened as, like just last night. <laughs> It's amazing when you see young people taking in that wisdom of humanity, like that, that right. really that primal feeling. That, that's good. That's yeah. good. Well, that was like uh, with the opposite with my son, like one of his, his friends who maybe has a few emotional issues, nothing serious, just some little kid stuff, but good kid. Yeah. But he, my, he asked my son to play a game with him and my son didn't want to or couldn't whatever. And, he said, like, F you to my son. What? <laughs> and my son is, so my son's 12. My son's like a real sweet kid. He doesn't curse. He throws a few curse words every now and then. Yeah. But uh, in general, he doesn't curse. It's just not really in his nature. Yeah. Um, but anyway, his friend said, uh, you know, F you. And he goes, I'm not going to call him or let him talk to me. I'm not going to talk to him for a couple weeks. And I was saying, that's good. I was telling him, like, like you said, on the one level, it's good to teach your children like to be, you know, have a good heart and open-hearted and generous and care about people and love people. But on the other people, I would tell my son, like, you need to set boundaries with people too. Yeah. Like, if people treat you a certain way that you don't like, you don't have to put up with that shit. And yeah. you shouldn't. But sometimes you have to learn that, especially you just don't know as a kid unless your parents or some, hopefully your parents teach you. But I'm like, yeah, don't, don't. I didn't call his mother or message his mother. It was like the end of the world. Kid said, fuck you. 
yeah. hopefully they work it out. But I was like, but then he like called my son's phone 10 times and messaged him. And I'm like, don't answer him. It's like, <laughs> and I also told him like, look, first of all, all right, he knows he fucked up and he feels bad. Now he's freaking out. Like he's just yeah. a little kid and maybe he's a little impulsive. He didn't mean it. Yeah. Um, and of course I have an adult perspective and it's not a big deal or yeah. whatever, but, um, but I said, on the other hand, he's got to learn his lesson and his exactly. lesson is, you know, if you can't talk to somebody with respect and you do that for no reason, we don't need to have a conversation or have, you know, yeah. what's the purpose? I don't need that. Yeah. And so I think, I think what happened was he kept calling and I think he even called my wife's phone and <laughs> somehow the mom found out maybe he was crying or something. Yeah. But he called, I think my wife's phone or got, finally got to Sean and he was crying and he apologized for saying the F you. We never said a word. We never said anything. Exactly. The power of just, just getting into the emotion. Like, yeah. We just, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. It's not a big deal. It's a stupid little thing. I don't need to tell his mom. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was like, whatever. And then, so I didn't do anything. And that's what the universe did, I guess. It's like, yeah. I said, just leave it be to my son. And sure enough, he calls and apologizes. I'm like, fine, if you accept the apology. But I said, look, you got to, you know, just like the same thing. If someone, if someone does, you know, behaves in a shitty way or does something, ex exhibits some shitty behavior and they apologize once and that's it. Okay. But if they keep repeating that same thing and keep apologizing, you got to give it some thought. Yeah. about what kind of relationship you want to be and they're not really sorry if they keep fucking doing it exactly they're not aware like or they're not aware they can't help it or yeah i mean i mean i'm not saying it's easy relationships are complicated but yeah uh definitely takes a give and take and it sounds like he learned his lesson yeah that was a good and he call. just he, it was like he taught himself his own lesson just exactly. let, let it go but but again my point was like you need you know it's children need to learn not only other boundaries, but their boundaries. Yeah, like, how do you not, respect yourself, you know? It's not just and, children either. It's like, I've had this with clients. When they, they uh, might have this arrogant, um, know-it-all atti attitude, right? I just want to stop real quick and then come, but like you, for instance, I know, I know right now you would never have to say, yo, Keith, this is my boundary. You know, I would no. never do anything that w where that conversation would even come up. No, I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. You can't, you know, it would never happen. Exactly. We've, we've gotten really close, I'd say. We start to know each other really well now. Yep. Really you know, it's funny, like a couple of nights ago, and again, it's like, what's in my consciousness? So really what was in my consciousness was trying to just really be in that space, that energy of when we went out to the Hamptons. Yeah. And just being there and fishing. That friend came out, we had a little barbecue and chilled out. So it's good to see him, you know, hanging out with my son, making sure he had a good time, but basically just being present there. So I wasn't yeah. really trying to think of too many other people. And then when I got back in the city, you popped in my head. I'm like, oh shit, I should talk to Tor. See? Same thing. I was like, like feeling like, I wonder how he's doing. Same yeah. here. No. Same here. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely feel a connection to you, bro. Yeah. There's same no, here. no doubt about it. You, you uh, yeah. occupy my thoughts quite often. I talk about you a lot too. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, because you are one of the people that I regularly talk to because we, we vibe. So the people listening yep. to this, you're going to get to know Keith because he's going to be on here quite some time. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had this client, pretty arrogant, actually. 
I have had a few mm-hmm. arrogant clients that thinks that they. Those know are everything. always interesting people, like arrogant people. I'm they not are. real fond of arrogant people, but go ahead. Let's yeah, s- same here. And then, I, what I do, I always try to kind of see where they are mentally before I start to. It's like a doctor, right? You can't just prescribe fucking medication and hope that it'll solve the problem, right? So right. we talk, we get to know each other a little bit. I see where, if, where and if I can help them. And if I see some very clear path that they could take to achieve their result, then I say, cool, I can help you. And then as we go along, I will give them some tips to start them off on a path, right? Like a brick by brick by brick by brick. And sometimes before they have laid the foundation of the house, let's say they're four bricks in, they figure it, now I know everything. Now I'm good. I can go. They, they achieve a win, right? They get some right. kind of a feedback from, the, from other people. Let's say that it's because they started a YouTube channel and they did that from a process that I gave them and they followed mm-hmm. the process. They, gave, they got some good feedback. They got some good engagement. They see that, oh my God, this is working, right? And then I get the call. I get the message that, well, now I want to do this. Like, I know that you do the, your thing your way, but I'm going to do this because I think that is going to help me. And I was like, yeah, sure, you do that. And I know I did the same thing, right? I know right. what's going to happen. And then I could get some, some really smug remarks, some really arrogant fucking s- s- stupid statements. But- <laughs> and then it's like, well, I don't know if this, like, you, you don't answer me when I want you to, right? Like that thing, they, they're entitled oh, for you to be there all along. Uh, and then, I see. Yeah, and yeah. then enti- like intentionally, I don't answer them. I see the message and it's like, <laughs> okay, now we're on. This is going to be transformational for them. So I don't answer. Well, I was, was, hmm? was going to say that um, <laughs> if he says he's going to do this instead of that or not listen to you or whatever it is, maybe he should be doing. That's the lesson I guess he, he needs exactly. to learn. Exactly. So like I, if he keeps doing this, he's going to get the same results or not the results he wants. Yeah. If he's trying to change something. Yeah. And I have a rule that this, I, I wait for a certain amount of time, right? If I see this, this pattern, because this is like a frequently asked question, basically. I could, I could go in and I could actually right. say that this is going to happen. So I see that they send a message. And if it's arrogant and like a one of those statements that is basically kind of a, an attack because now they're better than me. They have surpassed right. the teacher. Then I can sit there, smile a little bit to myself, and then continue what I was doing. And then five minutes after, you can see those three little dots starting to pop up on the message. And then it pops in a new message. I was like, well, any thoughts? Right? I was like, all right. He's starting to feel it. And then I go back. You can see over the course of, let's say, 24 hours right? Right. of not receiving a word, you can see that it goes from arrogant to hateful almost like really attacking and then it's like so i realize it was not that i i realized i came from a bad place man it's not but okay so i i continued to do it and what you said happened all right and i was wondering is it okay if i like if we continue to work because i see that you know what's going to happen right it happened and now i don't know what to do and then i know that it's not just the fact that they didn't do the thing that I said and that they right. received, that they got to the point that I said they were going to go to. They actually went through that emotional transformational shift where they realized that being a douchebag is not going to get you anywhere. You're going to well, feel that. I was going to say, 
I was going to say like you could look at that as part of if you're going to help people and that's one of their like barriers, their arrogance. Yeah. That if you're good at what, if you're, if you are good at what you do, yeah. at what you do, you will help them guide them through that so they can get past that. Exactly. If you're a good teacher, right? Exactly. Because a good teacher, I guess really the good point about being a good teacher is you can somehow get to the hard cases. Exactly. Not just the easy ones that are receptive. Yeah. And it's not going to be like, you can, you can learn things intellectually. Cool. You can get things through a PDF or a book or a video or whatever. I could tell you a lot of shit, but there's several different perspectives to that, right? Some people mm -hmm. would go on YouTube and they would see me talking about the, uh, the, the journey of the thought, how the thought comes in and actually goes out, right? How you are interacting with your environment and your en energies and all that. They could see that for free on YouTube. Uh -huh. and then they pay me $3,000 and then it works. Like they could get that information for free and it wouldn't do shit. But when they actually right. invest in themselves to change how they are, then neurologically right. they can't stop. They can't not listen to the advice because now they've invested so much that it's painful if they don't yep. do it. So going, just taking that step, a lot of people don't realize that. But when you're actually paying for change a lot, right? then you are going to change no matter the, what the fuck, because just you doing that is 50% of the work. Yep. Then you're listening to the information that is provided. Right. Well, I, I know it's important when you have like certain products, whatever it can be, but that like in this case, if you're kind of offering something that's like, I don't know, maybe in some sense it's abstract. It's not like a physical product or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had a point. I forgot it. Carry on. It'll come back to me again. Yeah, because I, I like to just deal with information products and knowledge products and coaching and... Right. Yeah, counselor, basically. Because... But, but then again, like you, you know this. I had a really rough road in the beginning where I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what route to take. I was overwhelmed a lot. So I had to go through that water myself. I had to teach myself how to, you know navigate those things and then when you first get to that point where you can help people through the knowledge it's not just giving them the knowledge you have to figure out how to you can teach the things that you know not teaching them right. too yeah i think a lot of people yeah. would misunderstand that point because a lot of things is just you going into yourself and sometimes you just need a sentence yeah. that is going to make you so fucking pissed off so angry and so like, oh my God, I'm going to kill everything. And then sit in that emotion for a little bit. And then afterwards, it's like, right. why? Why? And then something happens. <laughs> Humans, man, it's fascinating. I love it. This is why I like the podcast too. It's amazing because I get to talk to a lot of different people. And it's so liberating. Just to talk to you. How like are you, you finding most of these people? They find me. That's what is amazing. Really? Yeah. It's like interesting. Paolo Coelho, the alchemist, he says this, like, if you want something, if you have a dream and you follow that and you don't doubt yourself, the whole universe will conspire to give you what you need. Right? And mm -hmm. then it's about what you said about going into an ayahuasca ceremony. You have to be open for any possibility. You have to be open for everything. Mm -hmm. For instance, I could, and I have so many different examples of this now because I, I really got into it. And I still, I still struggle at times, but 
I know that I want something. I set the intention and I just do the next best thing, as they say in Frozen 2. Really, I, I want people to see that movie. So <laughs> do the next best thing and then whatever comes, be open to it. Even if it's like uh, an enemy reaching out. It's like, would you rather, let's say that you had a falling out with someone five years ago and you're, talk, you're do, just doing your thing and then all of a sudden, this guy reaches out and he's asking you a question. And would you be dismissive and just say, fuck you, man, five years ago, you were a douche. Or are you going to just answer the question and see where it leads? Right. That's right. also kind of the thing that you don't want to react to a situation before it's actually happened. Because if you do, you could destroy the outcome. That could be the universe. That's true. Yeah. The universe could just send you a very unlikely thing. And then all of a sudden there you are with a new possibility, a new partnership, yeah. a new friendship, whatever it is. But I guess that's part of the trick of this, and and uh, probably going to cap it off with this because it's actually getting late. Like one thirty, I'm about to pass off, pass yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but you kind of like, I think part of it is like deconditioning yourself because you have a response to certain things, and if you saw somebody like you said, and you had a certain thought about them, like they fucked you over ten years ago or whatever, yeah, that'd probably be the first thing to come up, and like yeah. you said, that could cloud your experience. Exactly. So it's how do you get past that where you can just like deal in the present. Yeah. And that's probably just like learning how to do that. Yeah. It takes time. I was, I was reflecting on this last night. Like what is a lack mentality or a, a want mentality where you are feeling like you need something, then you are not in a pure creative state of mind because you're always trying to right. figure out what is going to fulfill that need. And what is a lack mentality if not the sensation that you have to do something in order to achieve an outcome that you don't really have in your life right now. Right. It could be anything, but just going in and see, am I doing something now because I think I need it? Or is it because I want to create a help or be fulfilled in something? Yes. Yeah. Lack mentality, man. That sucks. Everyone's yeah. been in that survival mode. Especially yeah. now. Yeah. No, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. All I know is I've had the urge. All I want to do is fish right now for some reason. <laughs> it's one of Calling the you. fishing. Yeah. It is. And like, and if I just like fall, truly followed my heart, like that would be like the perfect life. Like whether it's you're working on something or helping people or, or doing something you're passionate about. If, I mean that, I think at the end of the day, that's the life most people would want to have is that you could truly do what, you know, your heart wishes. Like, oh, I want to yeah. do this. I want to go out to like, uh, the Hamptons for three weeks and be in a beach house and go fishing every day, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it would be nice if, uh, yeah, who, that's like the ultimate dream, I think, is to have the freedom to do what you want. Exactly. And not about material things, exactly. not about material things so much, but just the freedom to, like, you know, experience life the way you want to. Exactly. And that is the, that's the case. That is the thing. There's a difference between you wanting to stand on a beach and fish and be with yourself and wanting a Porsche to show off your neighbor. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's night and day. Exactly. Yep. And so many people think that a Porsche, a new car, a new house, a new thing is going to make them feel happy. But when you have that and you feel like you're, you have that and now you just, that's another thing. You don't feel any different. Yep. The dopamine levels will yep. go away. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. It was a good talk, man. Yep. 
<laughs> that was a good talk. I thought uh, it turned out pretty interesting. One yeah. of a lot of things. Yeah. I didn't even know we we're going to talk about, about ayahuasca, but I thought we covered a lot with that and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, you think we we'll use this one for the first one? Yeah, let's use this one. Where can people reach yeah. you? I think it's like pretty if, good. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about the beats and all. It's kind of just feeling it. Yeah, I think it was it was pretty good. Over a lot of shit. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, wh whoever watches it, if there's any, whatever the response is, hopefully something. Really interesting because your responses usually comes in through private messages. So if okay. you have a question about this episode, then go to the link where you can actually submit a voice message or just send a message because you can send voice messages now, bro, where you can just have okay. a question from an actual person, have that in the podcast and answer the question there or just bring people on. Okay. It's amazing. Right. So where, where can people find yeah, you? So it, me? Yeah, hmm. your, your things. Good question. Yeah. I'm going to put a, uh, well, like a block of links. Can, uh, I just, I'm taking down my film website. So I guess they could go to bastone714.com. That's my artist website. Yeah. I'm an artist and filmmaker for what that's worth. So they can go to bastone714.com and drop me an email or whatever. Yeah. They really feel the need to get in touch with me. Um, yeah. I'm going to drop uh, your Instagram Instagram stuff and stuff too. All right, cool, man. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to hit the sack because it's getting late. But yeah, this was a good talk. So hopefully it's a good first episode. It was. Thank you. All right, brother. Have a great night. And there you have it. The first conversation with Keith that we actually got uploaded and uh, put on the podcast. I have a lot of conversations that are stored that I haven't done anything with yet, but I'm going to get definitely get those up there too. If you want to reach out to Keith, you can find his links down below, as well as if you want to ask a question for Keith or myself, use the link that says that you can send a voice message. If this is on Anchor, it will be on the profile for the podcast. Anywhere else, I will do my best to put that link so that you can find it easily. You can also just go into m.me slash the fml project and then you just enter podcast you'll get up a few choices that is relevant to the podcast i hope that you have a fantastic day and remember the answer is in the questions peace <laughs>